Welcome to the One Life, One Chance podcast. I'm your host, Toby Morris. Today, I have a very, very special guest, a good friend of mine for many, many years. I wish I could be with him now and uh, I'm having face-to-face, but we are on lockdown and he lives very far away. Uh, please welcome to the podcast my friend Brandon from a band you might have heard of called Rancid. What's up, brother? We're, having our, we're getting our technical issues sorted out here. So, welcome to the podcast. How, how, I, always, I always just call you your first name and I don't want to fuck up the way. How do, how do you pronounce your last name? Steinekert. Steinecker, and wh- where does that come from? Yeah, um, I've been told it's some form of German, uh, maybe even Sounds a like hint it. of Jewish German. Okay, but I don't really know. Yeah, but I just know people have a lot of fun trying to say it. <laughs> yeah, and spell it probably too for sure. Right. <laughs> um, so how you doing, man? You good? Yeah, yeah, doing well, doing well. All things considered, can't complain. Yeah, man. Uh, strange times indeed, but we just got to keep focusing and, uh, you know, keeping ourselves busy and keeping ourselves healthy and exercising and doing stuff we love, you know? Um, exactly. Exactly. Trying to do a lot of all of that these days. That's for sure. I mean, I know, I know it's even uh, a friend of our friend of mine was just visiting you recently and he was telling me about showing me some of the canyons and all the stuff you have. You have such beautiful scenery out where you live and there's so much cool things to do. In the, in the dirt and the sand and also in the water like this there's, there's so many things in there I, I love utah so much every time i've been there i've i've loved it so much i love like you can go swimming you can go snowboarding it's just a beautiful the air is nice and i don't know I, I, I like it there yeah i mean it to me it, it was always one of those places ironically that i kind of hated growing up you know like and then it wasn't until i got out of here and experienced the world a little bit that coming back home wasn't such a bad thing and then it was in like the later years in life where i was able to actually like really get out and appreciate this state because it's not you know if you go to salt lake city it's just it it, it's another city you know it's like but that it's some people love it some people hate it to each their own but but it's it's more like you got to break out and get into the mountains get into the desert Mm -hmm. get into the water and that's where it really gets set apart and i've actually been living in southern utah right now in a very very small desert town um, for all of 2020, I've been down here and, yeah. um, it's great, man. Like, like, yeah, like you said, we just had a mutual friend out and went on some epic hikes and just seeing some of the craziest sights. And it's just beautiful, man. It's a perfect place to lay low during these times, you know? Yeah, for sure. And, um, so you weren't born that you were born in Idaho, correct? Correct. Yeah. Which I never, um, I, I don't have any memories of living there. I, we moved away when I was a, a baby, you know? So, yeah. um, I, it's always weird. If, if people ask me where I'm from, it's like, well, I guess I, I don't know if I need to say where I'm born. Cause I don't yeah. feel like I'm from Idaho at all. You know, like yeah. I spent the majority of my life in Utah, a little bit in Colorado. Um, and so I just, to me, I'm from Utah, you know, do you have any uh, brothers and sisters? Oh yeah. I got an older sister Two older brothers and a younger brother and a younger half sister. Wow, that's a big family, man. Wow. Yeah, and I've five step siblings too. Holy so it's shit. crazy. Holy the shit. Utah way. Are you are you, right? are you are you are you in touch and are you tight with all them? Are you connected with everybody still and with my with my like immediate siblings, yeah, yeah. we're all we're all pretty close. They're yeah. they're rad, they're good people. You know, we're all we're all very different, um, but yet certainly cut in the same same cloth yeah for you know sure. um 
and and yeah, I I love them to death. They're they're definitely family. You know, we've had our ups and downs, but we've all been through a, a hell of a lot together. And and our upbringing and childhood certainly created some solidarity that will stick with us forever. You know. Yeah. So so how was that growing up? And so are you guys a, a Mormon family? Yeah, I was actually raised um, pretty strict Mormon. You know. Yeah. Um, and and it was you know the first years of life everything it, it seemed totally normal as, as far as I was concerned it was like I always lived in kind of smaller towns and suburban towns you know just outside of Salt Lake City and we moved a lot um, not for any any good reasons usually people are moving because their parents had other jobs or whatever yeah. we were usually moving because my family might have burned a bridge in that neighborhood or something mm. because my my parents were like always in between jobs and struggling for work. And, and we were certainly like a, a poor family. And so we just kind of live where we could as long as we could and have to move again. I don't think I finished a single grade of school while more than one grade in the same school. You know what I mean? Like we moved so much. Wow. So it was kind of, Although, but again, I didn't know the difference. So it's like, that yeah. didn't seem weird to me. Yeah. It was like, oh, new year of school at a new school, you know? And it mm-hmm. was just like a chance to try to meet new people and whatever. I was super shy. So I just, I, I struggled to have friends, but it was just kind of like a a new leaf every time where I could, I could just kind of start new and, and meet new people. And I mean, we're talking like elementary school, you know? And, yeah, totally. and so, and so it, I didn't know the difference. It was like, weird and i never even like as they would call it i graduated sixth grade like i was pulled out of sixth grade with like a month left of school (laughs) because my family was moving again yeah and there was no reason to enroll me into another school with that little time left so i didn't even finish sixth grade at the time you know just moved on to middle school (laughs) yeah so was it hard making friends like because you kept moving schools or did some of your family members go to go to the schools you went to as well um, you know, we don't go to the same school, but it, it was, we were all kind of in it together, you know, and, and I think, um, the kind of communities we tend to live in, you'd get a mix of everything, you know, like yeah. there was always, we were, we were just kids that were like the play in the front yard and out in the streets, kids, yeah. you know, in our neighborhood. So yeah. we'd get to meet neighbor kids right away and, and have new friends and then, you know, pack it all up and move and do it again, just cause my parents struggled to keep jobs and, yeah. and work. And so it was just kind of going wherever any opportunity would take us. But it was always, you know, nine times out of 10, it was within Utah, you yeah. know, and even like greater Salt Lake area, you know? Yeah. Uh, were your parents strict? Um, I don't know. I mean, I guess, you know, um, again, talking, there's kind of like the two chapters of, of childhood for me. There was like, the grade school era where to me, everything was just normal. My dad would cut our hair and cut it super short because he <laughs> didn't think, you know, boys were supposed to have long hair at all kind wow. of thing. It was just like, he was certainly like strict Mormon guy that like he, you never once in my life, I never saw him in a t-shirt ever. He would wear like collared shirts every day, no matter what we were doing. If we were going to, uh, you know, out in nature at all or yeah. anything you'd have slacks on and a and a collared shirt interesting you know? wow. like, yeah it was <laughs> he was a unique individual yeah for sure and and my mom was cool like she was she was a great mom and and did her best you know those years and then again everything 
you know, when I was 11 years old, life really flipped a hard 180. And that's where like, you know, from then till my adult life is a completely different story, you know? Yeah. So, so, um, so 11 years old. So what grade are you in then? You're in, uh, middle school, right? Yeah. Sixth grade. Sixth grade. Yeah. Yeah, man, I know it's. Been, yeah, I, 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 don't, I don't. You know, if you want to talk about it, you have to. But I know your dad passed away, and and uh, I, I know that much. I know that changed everything for your whole whole life. I mean, obviously, it's it happened to me when I was three. But I was. I mean, if I was eleven, I would have spent more time. And that's. I, it's way. It's more even more harder because I I barely knew my dad because I was so young. But you you were close with your dad, knew your dad, and um. So that's yeah. super heavy, especially as eleven year old. You know. Um, yeah, it was. It was weird because it was like the timing of it all, you know. I mean, I mean, he he died of suicide, and um, mm-hmm. and that forced a lot of reality into a, a child's mind early sure. on, you know. That that it's like even death, you know. You lose a grandparent. Like I, I lost my grandma before that, and it was like so. We weren't strangers to the idea of, of death, yeah. but but to lose a parent that young, you know what I mean? Like it, yeah, it just man. introduces all these like very grown up, very real aspects of life that a, a child should, you know, hopefully not have to deal with that young. And then it was like weird, awkward things where, you know, those like, uh, what do they call them? Like the maturation clinic or whatever in school mm-hmm. where they, they teach you about puberty and yes. all that shit. Like, and everyone shows up with their dad. Like all the boys show up with their dad to yeah. learn about it. And I'm like rolling in with my mom, like super awkward. Like that was the most, uncomfortable thing just I'm to sure. be the only one there with their mom you know and it was yeah. just like little things you know campouts with like the boy scouts where it's like his fathers and son camp out and i'm just rolling with the neighbors you know and, yeah. and little things that just kind of made like an already kind of painful thing sting a little more you know yeah but um but yeah it was it was a trip and then my mom remarried not long after that um, very short after that actually. And that was insane. Cause she had a blind date with this guy and one week later to the day was their wedding. What? Are you and, serious? Like seven, are you serious? Yeah. Holy crap. Yeah. They dated for oh, one wow, week man. and, and like, it was insane. He had five kids. My mom had five oh, kids. They moved dude. us all to Provo, Utah in like this, I was so bummed. That was why they, I got pulled out of um, elementary early, you know, the sixth yeah. grade. And so we moved down to Provo where it was just like, you know, Utah County and Provo, are, uh, Utah itself is a bubble, you know, but, yeah. but Utah County is like a bubble within a bubble. And if you think like Salt Lake or anything like that's conservative or, you know, odd, you should check out Utah County. It's, it's another world, and mm-hmm. especially at that time, you know, it felt yeah. like it. So I was super bummed to have to move down there. And, and then there was a lot of abuse, you know, um, and, and it just, man, things got yeah, really man. dark for quite a while. So I, I, I yeah, can, it was gnarly. I can kind of relate in the sense where we were like Catholic. We were like forced to go to church. It was like a big deal. And then, you know, my dad dies when I'm three and my brother taught. I mean, it's a true story that my mom came home. My, my, 
my brother made a sign that said like fuck god on the tree or something like he he said if there's a god why they take my dad so everything about religion kind of changed for them too like they're like why'd you take my dad if there's somebody out there looking out for us you know then my mom my mom had to raise three boys on her own and then we moved from taunton to newport rhode island and then my brothers kind of raised me in a sense because my mom was like just trying to keep food on the table and then we ended up moving from there to southern maryland where we where we you know, she was a manager of apartment complex, and Rusty Pistachio was this redneck with a mullet, and he was the maintenance man, and that's where we met Rusty. <laughs> so it's like we we moved we, we moved all around. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, cause we, yeah. And so that seems like your story too. You moved around a whole bunch a lot, and then my mom married this dude named fucking Bill Greco, and none of us liked him, and nobody was good enough for our mom, and we fucking ran that dude out of there. Like we 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 just it it was kind of soon there for us go. as well. And so like you with my mom, who the hell are you? You know what I mean? Like and. Yeah, he ended up. He ended up. I think he yeah. cheated on her or something. He was just. We we just vibed it. Like we knew it, and plus we were very protective of her mom at that time because we were pretty fragile. At, and so yeah, so I totally get where you're coming from. And um, yeah, yeah, it's crazy, man. It's crazy how life just it's changed crazy. like I mean, that. Yeah, and and it, it was again. It's just these harsh life lessons that it sucks to have to learn so young, you know. But <laughs> but I mean, at the end, like maybe that's a good thing. You know, it's like we learned a lot and it shaped a lot of who we are. And if we didn't go through all that shit, who know what, who knows what kind of people we'd be today, you know? Yeah. Were you, were you made, were you getting good grades in school because you kept moving all around? I mean, no, no. Yeah. Never. Especially (laughs) probably after your pops died. Like you probably just like, you probably spent like, like, I don't know. It's, fuck everything or just not, or just like not give a shit. Yeah. Word. Yeah. School was never about, it was never about education and, and intellect and, and you know what I mean? It was never mm-hmm. about that. It's, it's all a bullshit. Like it's, it's more learning like social life lessons. Yes. And that's all yeah. I took from it. Yeah. I'm not like a, <clears throat> like a super book smart guy, but I, I am a, a smart guy, you know, and, and yeah. I, I know what's up and I got a lot of uh, street smarts as, as far as just simply living life and surviving, you yes. know, but, um, Man, school never meant anything to me. I just, I, I mean, I almost dropped out in the eighth grade. And and by almost, I stopped going to school for like two weeks until I just kind of got my ass handed to me and had to go back. But um, And then I tried to drop out again in high school. And then I successfully dropped out my senior year. So, But I was having like, I was like 063 GPA at one point, like just, just yeah. terrible, wow. you know, but not cause I had bad grades. It was like, I just made zero effort, yeah, you, you know, care. I would, I'd learn what I could and, and whatever, but it was just like, nah, fuck this. I'm trying to survive life right now. Like I'm not worried about, about bullshit, like, you know, agendas and whatever. I, I yeah. it was just, there was more to life at that point where like we were calling the police, you know, once a week on my, stepdad beating up my mom and Fuck, man. at one point she had two broken legs and was in a wheelchair from this shit and it was like it was just like really i'm supposed to give a shit about fucking like states and capitals like i don't give a fuck no nah, you know like, to survive. Like, yeah i just want to like fucking survive the this week you know and not it, the i think the dark part was having that uh going from this like innocent very standard feeling childhood it, or so it felt to like that harsh reality of like what options are there yeah. and the kind yeah. of monkey see monkey do aspect of like, like, Oh, so when things get hard, I can just kill myself. Okay. 
Mm. You know what I mean? And it, it kind of introduced this idea that I would have never fucking thought about, at least not in those young of years. Yeah. And so it was just like when things are bleak at home and my teenage years and, you know, I have very few friends and I'm just like, like diehard skateboarder. And that was all that yeah. mattered. And a few friends I did have. And man, I can't even tell you how many times I considered going that route and just ending it. Like, wow, man, it was dark, man. It's but heavy, yeah. So yeah, as, a, as a beacon of light, which I feel like we have so many similarities just talking to you right now is for me as well. But like the one positive thing that came from my brother's kind of like looking out for me while my mom was working is they got me to skateboarding and punk rock. And so that that skateboard yeah. was everything it was my best friend. It was my girlfriend. I, it was everything. Yeah. to me. And 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 that's that's exactly what happened to you. Like skateboard became everything for you. Skateboarding. Oh, it was everything. It was, it, there was no other reason to live. Literally. It was like, <laughs> yeah. and ironically it, it became skateboarding because my older brother rode BMX yeah. and my, my, my older brother, Troy was my hero. He still is. He's, he's such a good dude. And, um, and I, I really love all my siblings, but Troy was just the big brother, my oldest brother. And, mm-hmm. and he got into BMX and this little like crew of BMX friends. And they were just like the fucking like raddest kids. They weren't like, the cool kids in school by any means, yeah. but they were just fucking like the raddest kids. And so I just looked up to them, but I couldn't afford a bike. You know, he was yeah. older than me. He could get a job and, and work for this shit and whatever. And, and I, I couldn't. So I managed to get a hold of like a cheap ass, like, you know, Kmart style skateboard. Yeah. And would just follow them around on that thing until I was able to get my first proper board, yeah. you know, and then it just took over everything. Yeah, what you remember what your first, your first board was? Dude, ironically, it was a Matt Hensley Mini H3. Wow. Shout out to Matt Hensley. Right? People don't know he's in Flocky Molly. That's yeah, amazing, and dude, get dude. this. Get this. So I told that to Matt a little while back because, um, you know, we've toured together. We've He's played on Rancid Records, you yeah. know, and, and and so we've gotten to spend time. Dude, and it like, dude, the first handful of times I was around him, I never told him because I just – was being like bashful about it and <laughs> and it was just crazy because it's like dude you have no idea what your board your model board did to my entire life that's like amazing, that probably dude. there's no way to grasp what that did but um i eventually told him and they h street reissued that deck and matt sent me one that he signed for me and i was so stoked man like that was the coolest shit that's, like that's so what cool. a trip i remember seeing you those. Know? i think there was silver those boards or something i remember those seeing those releases three releases maybe yeah Dang, and it was so it was cool, they did that mini. It was called the mini, and it was tiny, dude. It was this tiny little deck. Yeah, it wasn't like a freestyle deck. It was still like a proper street board, but like it was just really short and this tiny little nose. And uh, man, I loved that thing, and I just destroyed it. I skated that <laughs> thing for so long. So you, you know, were, but you were a heavy street so skater. Thick. Yeah, you know, I actually rode ramp more. Okay. Um. Because my brother, again, the BMX thing, him and his friends, and you know how it goes. We didn't buy the wood, but we had a half pipe at our house. <laughs> that <laughs> courtesy of any construction sites nearby. Yeah, you know? yeah. So we just go nab some boards here and there. And never like, we weren't like scumbags about it too bad in the way that, you know, it would just be like some scraps here mm-hmm. and there. And so we had this janky ass half pipe. Um, and I just loved that. So I'd, I'd ride that and like little lawn tramps we'd have and we'd grab like railroad ch- ties because we lived by 
railroad tracks a lot of the time. And, um, those are actually super fun for just board slides and shit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> They're just naturally so slick. So, yeah. um, but I, I certainly favored skating like mini ramps more. I yeah. love that shit. Did you have like a favorite trick on mini ramps? Um, you know, I, I had like my go-tos that are still my go-tos. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was always yeah. rocking like, you know, I was just like my run would consist of like a lot of rock and rolls, rock yeah. and bakey, full cab. And then like, um, I do like these like blunt to rock and rolls. That was Sick. like my, my claim to fame that, um, <laughs> that was my, that was my favorite. Now I can still pop them and land it. And I'm, I'll be so stoked when I do. I'm like, yeah, yeah still got it. <laughs> it's, it's a good feeling to do that stuff. But you get older and do the same. Yeah. It's awesome, man. It's definitely. I was just seeing your clips and shredding with, Soy and cab, it was so good. You're still shredding hard, man. I love it. Thank you, man. Yeah, I'm pretty sore today. My my body feels like I'm 50 years old, even though my mind feels young. But today, I just, I'm just yeah. so I'm so chill today. Like it, it was a long <laughs> it was a long day falling and stuff. But it, yeah, it was so fun. It was surreal yeah. to skate with those dudes, and yeah, it was it was really awesome, man. Um, good humans. Do you remember that time we we found a skate park on tour that you and I went and rode, and they had like some big ass ramps, like. I don't remember where I feel like we were in the Midwest somewhere, but, um, it was on, I think it was on that tour with H2O the used and 30 Box. seconds to Mars. Okay. Remember that one? Yeah, I do. Th I think I do remember that in 2002, maybe. Right. Uh, probably 2004. I think like 2004. Okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, I just remember one of the days off you and I went, we found this like skate park and, and I knew you skated, but I didn't know, you know, what degree and and it was so sick like you were landing all the dope shit i loved it <laughs> <laughs> thank you man um yeah skateboarding yeah. skateboarding is something i don't know man i don't know back then it was just something to do and fun with your friends and just trying the same trick over and over and over again getting hurt didn't matter you're yep. bleeding you're sweating you're fucking exhausted you're hungry but you just to you land that trick it's just it's just an incredible feeling man it's something that I don't know. I just, it, it was so special and, and it's still special, but it was, it was like a natural high. And, um, exactly. I was just going to say that. Yeah. It was like, that was the thing that did it for me was it was like the first, the first taste of like adrenaline and that high that wasn't derived from fear. You know, mm -hmm. it was like a, this positive, like all those like crazy endorphins and, and that, <laughs> you know, crazy emotions, but yeah. coming from something positive was like, holy shit and it was just man i i can that was my addiction for sure yeah. I, I was hooked and it's just like it didn't matter how much you you wrecked yourself and hurt yourself it was like i mean you're probably like me living with just scabs on your shins constantly totally. scabs on your elbows yep. and just like didn't even matter like <laughs> every day at school a little blood running down the leg somewhere you know like, just rip, yeah, ripping the same scab over and shit. yeah yeah. Um, yeah. So, so did you get, was your exposure to skateboarding and punk rock at the same time? Cause I mean, a lot of those old skate videos, the soundtracks are like such classic youth brigade, like a lot of, like a lot of punk bands on the, especially the bone. Yeah. Ones, that was yeah. the thing. So ironically music was, had no place in my life for the longest time. It was so late in the game. Gotcha. Um, but, but yeah, the, I mean the exposure was there and the exposure to the culture, everything, but it was like, it just felt like another world, man, that I wanted to visit. It mm -hmm. was like, you know, like it, you watch any of those old classic movies and, and, and just, um, 
you know, anything from thrashing to, yeah. to like, um, you know, the cube. The cube and all, all yeah. that shit. Like just the, those like bigger mainstream movies that like actually spotlighted skateboarding a little bit, Yeah, you know? And it was just like, and then let alone like the skate videos. And it was like, Oh my God, like these people, what they're doing and all the spots that were doing it in these skate parks, old like pipeline videos and shit. It was like, the craziest shit so it it just kind of seemed like another world that i was trying to visit you Mm -hmm. know and and then um but my household there was no music other than like you know my mom would sing in like the choirs a lot yeah stuff like that so there was like mormon like religious music but otherwise like the only things that ever stood out was like my dad loved the beach boys and my dad loved kenny rogers nice and that was like the two bits of music that were like in my life. And I didn't even own like a boom box or anything like a Walkman until I was like 15, 16. Wow. And that was when I, I finally like started actually like finding music properly. And, and thanks to friends, thanks to skate videos, thanks to that stuff. I, I found, you know, the good stuff that resonated with me and, and yeah. very, very quickly became apparent, you know, it was like the soundtrack of life and, find what soundtrack fits yours you know and yeah and that was my introduction and and then like it was cool like one of my stepsisters was she was really into a lot of great music and a lot of diverse like different stuff and would have me i was like kind of an artist back then like in uh junior high and high yeah. school and so she would like give me like a cassette or something and have me draw like that album cover for her on like a full-size piece of paper just so she could hang it on her wall Cool. And, but her, her kind of stipulation to that was like, but you got to listen to it while you're drawing it, you know? And, and so <laughs> I found a lot of cool stuff that way where it was like, just kind of a, a forced introduction to some music where it was yeah. like, Oh shit. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm feeling this, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, you remember what your first show was like live concert? Yeah, it was, uh, so my brother and his best friend, who's still one of our, our closest friends, um, this guy, John Beathers, uh, he, they opened a little underground skate park in Provo nice. and they started hosting concerts there and like getting like actual, like touring bands to come play, not just local bands. And I was like maybe 15, 16 at the time. And, uh, they made shirts like security shirts for like me and my friends and stuff to just like, because we were like the house skaters there nice. <laughs> you know? and, and, uh, and but we certainly were security. There was no barricade, nothing. But Skank and Pickle came and played at the skate park. Nice. And we just got to hang out for free in our, like, pretend security shirts and stuff. And it, <laughs> it was, like, the raddest thing. I was, like, super intimidated at first just because what I thought a concert was going to be like. Yeah. And let alone, like, a super fun, like, ska show. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but um they were so rad, man. It was so fun. And then, and then, um, we had, uh, let's see who else face to face was supposed to be coming through and something happened and they had to move it last minute, but mm. yeah, that was super fun. And then, um, after that, my, my next like proper one I bought a ticket to was actually a Pennywise show Oh wow! in Salt Lake city. Yeah. That's awesome. What but I, I don't what, have like cool, <laughs> like young, like, you know, yeah old school like show experiences man like i'm I'm just like it's like yeah this shit was late for me mm-hmm. like <laughs> i can't pretend like i didn't find music till i was 
you know, 15, 16 yeah. properly. So what, what was your goals? To, what, what did you want to do when you get out of high school? You know, I, I never, I, I kind of swayed when I was in kind of the mode of like, you know, you got to have goals and, and be something someday. Um, I really loved art. I wanted to like do something in art, maybe even be like an art teacher. And then um, I always have to credit counseling to the reason why I'm still alive. I had an incredible counselor growing up who's still a dear friend of mine today. Um, And that actually really resonated. And I I started to want to become like counselor for troubled teens. Mm -hmm. And that was like the thing I wanted to do the most where I was like, you know, (laughs) that shit saved my life. And if I could be that for somebody else, even for one person, like it just makes it feel like everything I've endured was worth it. You yeah. know? Yeah. That's and uh, makes sense. That was the thing I was like the most passionate about. But then in reality, I was just dead set on being a pro skater. Wow. <laughs> you know, it was like, that's all I'm going to do. Like, I just want to skate and that's it. Were you getting like local sponsors and stuff like that? There was a skate shop um, called Board of Provo that would sponsor my little crew. We, we called ourselves team toy and, nice. uh, and it was so fun, man. It was just me and like four guys. Like it was like, we were some of the only skaters in our entire town, you know? And, and, uh, this skate shop was so rad. There was such a, a cool, like independent shop and, um, yeah, called board of Provo. It was so rad. That's but, cool. Uh, Someone took the name and reopened it. Now there's there's a shop that's it's a cool shop, but it's not the same one. It's yeah. different owners and you know people that borrowed the name. Were you entering like local contests and stuff? Yeah, my first one was when I was like 12 years old. Um, there was a skate park in Salt Lake called Mrs. C's, and uh, they had this six foot mini that the, the thing seemed like it was like 20 feet tall because I was such a tiny kid. Yeah. And, uh, it was this big ass six foot spine with a wall ride on the other side. Nice. And, and I entered in that thing and, and, um, and I got third place or yeah, uh, no, maybe it was fourth place. Cause I was just outside of like the, the top three to get any kind of prize or anything. Yeah. But it was fun man. I loved it. And it was, that was a rush though. I, I had never skated in front of like a crowd like that. It was mm-hmm. just like uh, other skaters. So that was a new experience. I didn't, I didn't love it. You know, I've never been one for attention and, and, uh, crowds. Yeah. <laughs> Ironically, <laughs> it's so weird. I just always had <laughs> bad stage fright and just didn't want people looking at me. I think that's why drums, you know, makes more sense for me. I, I couldn't be a front man. I couldn't do what you do. Mm. Like playing the back, the back. I mean, it's, it's a good spot too, though. You can see the whole crowd. I mean, it's, I don't know. It's cool. Watching. You get the best seat in the house for sure. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and you're um, and you get inspired to play drums. Your dad played drums, right? Yeah, but it was something that I never saw him play drums. Like none okay. of us did. He played when he was a teenager. Yeah, and it was all like in stories. Like we'd hear about okay. how he perform Wipeout at like <laughs> school assemblies and stuff. Yeah, and, yeah. And he was apparently like this little shredder. And I had just seen a few photos of him, and he had that like drummer kick like we all do just constantly drumming on everything you know so yes um so he would do that but it was like a part of him we didn't really know and then when i was around 15 
um, that was when I was really struggling. Like, you know, you know, didn't have girlfriends and just yeah. was like the violence and shit at home. And, and my siblings and I didn't get caught up in any of that. Luckily in the way that we were never violent to anyone, but it was, yeah. you know, my stepsisters, you know, beating up my mom and, and them all just going at it. And my stepdad doing it. And it was like, I, I don't know. Everything was really bleak. That. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like, so one day I, I just was going through this filing cabinet we had of stuff of my dad's and my hair was kind of grown out at the time. And I found this photo of him wearing a wig sitting behind his drum kit. Oh, and you would have thought it was a photo of me. Like he wow. looked exactly like me in that photo. And I literally, I, I didn't care about playing music cause I, I didn't have the, I didn't know music, you know? Mm-hmm. And, but it was just like, I saw it as something that I could do to take after my dad. Yeah. That would be a good thing. You know, because too much focus was being put on the bad things and what he did to leave us and stuff. And so, um, I worked my ass off and, and bought my first drum set when I was right around 16 and started bands with some, you know, friends that just went to school with that. I found out they played guitar or whatever. Yeah. And, and I sucked, dude. I sucked so bad. Was that, was that, (laughs) was that strange hitch? Yep. Yep. Strange itch. Nice. Yeah, dude. It was like one of those things where the learning curve was really big for me. Yeah. It took a long time for me to pick up drums because it just, the coordination just didn't feel natural. Mm-hmm. I tried to take lessons for like a month and had no interest in reading sheet music and doing that shit. <laughs> and either. so really the only way I learned is because like shit would be like, you know, screaming and shouting and punching walls upstairs. And so I'd be down in my room just like, you know, crying and, and whatever. So I'd just start banging on the drums and wow. screaming and crying and whatever. And it was just like, all of a sudden it, it started to groove a little bit. And then it became one of those things where it's like, I literally like lived the experience of taking a negative and turning it into a positive where I love that. anytime I was feeling suicidal, anytime there was a fight happening in the house, anytime like I was just hating on life, I'd go play drums and literally like, feel myself improve and come away feeling so much joy and like kind of that, you know, just getting that natural high that I got from skateboarding Yeah, where it was just like, Oh shit. Oh shit. Like, okay. You know, and you can block it out and, and get, man, it, and get was, the stress out and all that stuff. So you block everything out and get in your own world too, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And it was nice to be able to like, I was an angry, angry teenager and like punching lockers all the time and walls and shit. My, Knuckles were always bloody, but I never got into fights. Luckily, I didn't go that route with it. Yeah. But I was so fucking angry and just had this scowl on my face all the time. And it was amazing because it took no time at all where that just completely melted away. Mm. And it's like my temper, everything just got under control. My, you know, those dark thoughts and, and everything I would feel, the, it, it, everything just melted away, man. And, and the more I played music the more joy I found in life, the more peace I found with myself, you know, and, and it was insane. It was like a religious experience for me, you know, Mm -hmm. like it was a really beautiful thing. Another interesting similarities is that we both lost our dads and we both been drug free our whole lives. And like, yeah, it's like a lot, a lot of people could have taken that situation and really, 
went a really negative route with it too and like just started trying things and partying like fuck this world i lost my pops fuck everything i don't believe in nothing yeah i could have gotten a really dark path and i feel like i feel like the skateboard really helped as like a tool as like therapy as everything skateboard itself and just doing that and then also the music you get into and i don't know i think it's definitely there were lifesavers you know um absolutely because like oh, it was it was an interesting time too because it was all of it was like these like bad things all just right in the way the timing like my my little skate crew like all of a sudden like the guys just started getting to smoking weed and partying a lot and all this mm. stuff and and I was like kind of bummed where it was like, man, like, can't we just skate? Like, let's just go skate. Like, you know, yeah. it was like, and, and it was like, I didn't have any interest in that. Cause it's like, dude, no, are you kidding? Like I have enough fucking going on. I don't need to bring trouble into my life. Trouble just keeps finding me. Like I yeah. don't need to add anything and start getting fucking into legal trouble or some shit. It was like, no, no, I can't. And, and so it was like, just one of those things like i never thought my friends were like necessarily doing something wrong at all i just knew that it wasn't for you i couldn't fuck with that yeah it's the you last know? thing you need like, to do nah. yeah mm-hmm. and it was it was one of those things i like to use the analogy it's like i feel like life is a little bit of like working with a hammer you know and and it's like it's gonna tear up your hands at first and give you blisters and whatever but like sure you could wear a glove and it's gonna help protect that and maybe numb it up but it's like i would just as soon power through without the glove and get the fucking calluses and blisters and because you're going to get stronger quicker that way yeah yeah you know and for sure and so to me it was like face it if i would have partied mm-hmm. yeah it's like it, for me partying at that point would have been a cop-out my intention of doing yeah. it wouldn't have been to have fun it would have been as an escape from reality yeah and it was like no fuck that i'm not going to learn anything if i do that i'm not going to get any stronger if i do that i need to just fucking take this shit head on and just deal with it and win. And that's the only way to get through this. I can't have like a crutch getting me through it. I need to just fucking do it. And I really got, um, my, my brother was the same way, you know, in, in his circle and the BMX scene, it was like, yeah, we both were just kind of known as being like these drug free guys. And, and, um, I remember this older skater that we looked up to this guy, Clint was so fucking good. He was amazing. And I found out he was straight edge Sick. and I had no idea what that was. And I was like, what does that mean? Like, what are, you know, and this is long before I heard minor threat or, yep. or any punk rock. I, I was so away from any scene at all, you know? Yeah. And it was like, there, people would be like, Oh, it just means he doesn't do drugs and he doesn't like have sex with girls. And I'm like, Oh fuck. Yeah. That's like me. I don't do that either. <laughs> you know? it, just, it seems so like relatable yeah. that like, for a minute I was like, I'm straight edge too, mm-hmm. you know? And then it was like, and then it, it took no time at all for me to realize like, and, and learn like what, what it truly was behind that. And, and, you know, and all of that. And so, but then again, there was the other side of the coin where I live in Utah, especially where you and live in Utah. Yes. I, I was like, you know, that's a little bit different thing here. It's kind of gotten taken out of context and, I don't know that that's necessarily something I want to be associated yeah, exactly. with because yeah. there was a little bit of a negative connotation to it there when people were, you know, More jumping people yeah. for smoking a cigarette and shit. Mm-hmm. It was like, now that doesn't re- reflect me and my like values. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so I, I never really claimed straight edge ever, yeah. you know, other than that 
moment. And, and so it's just kind of like a, I think, um, I, I certainly lived that lifestyle my entire life. I just, yeah. Kind of did it for me as not really a part totally. of a, any kind of a scene or anything, you know? Yeah, I mean, I have friends just like you also that never claimed it but been drug free the whole life. And the same kind of thing, like I, I was already, I was, I was 13, I didn't try anything. My brothers were getting high and smoking and drinking around me and like, then I heard my threat and I could skate to it because it was aggressive enough to skate to. But yeah. Then, but then they had this message that like, there wasn't anarchy in the UK and and never mind the bullocks and fuck your parents and all this shit. It was something I could relate to. And it, I was like, okay, I guess I'm straight edge. You know what I mean? But then later on in life, all, like you said, yeah. like I was, it's, a per, it's always been a personal choice for me my whole life. And never been, nobody in my band straight edge. My wife isn't. It's just something that I chose to live by. And yeah, there's a label for it. There's a name for it. And, um, but yeah, it's like, it's always been a personal thing. And some people got inspired in different ways and took it to different levels and, and took something from it that, that, if it could help their lives and it, it got all kinds of, it went, it went all different ways, shapes and forms, you know? Yeah. For sure. And it, it, that's the thing. It was one of those things where, um, you know, any, any aspect, any, um, what, what do you want to call it? Like a belief system or something people yeah. want to adhere to yeah. for their life and, and, and roll with. It's like, that's a beautiful thing when people are trying to do good. Totally. Whether it's, you know, totally. how you choose your diet to be, how yep. you choose your exercise, how you choose your sobriety, whatever it may be. 100%. Like, if you're trying to do good, b- beautiful, do you, you know what I mean? But it's like, um, Utah tends to have a very extreme culture because it's more diverse than I think people realize on the outside. But um, people mm. just kind of think of Utah and think of Mormons, which is accurate. But then you've got the other side of that coin which is this extreme non-Mormon, let it be known to the whole fucking world, I'm not, and I hate this and that. And it's like, you get these like two sides just butting heads. And it was Got like, you. any any of those like scenes or whatever you want to call it, whether it was like, you know, straight edge, vegan, Mormon, yeah. you know, atheist, whatever it is, everyone was so hard stanced and just a, kind of aggressive about it that for me, it kind of, chilled me out in the way that I'm like, nah, like I'm just going to be whatever that gray area would be called. That's, yeah. that's where I'm going to reside. Yeah. Cause I'm like, I, I just like, I don't know. I'm not one for extremes. Like I, I definitely, um, I think I do go extreme with some of the things I'm passionate about at times cause I'm human. But, um, yeah, of course, as far as perfect. some of that goes, I learned, a, I learned a lot from the culture I grew up in and, and yeah. maybe, uh, what I didn't want to be, you know? Yeah. Hundred percent. Like for me, straight edge veganism, all that was positive. It was a, it was a positive thing for me. It was a positive. Uh, it's po- it positively affects my life in a good way. I'm a total spaz. I'm yeah. high in life. I'm I'm spastic, and I feel like I never needed that stuff to get. I never needed drugs or alcohol to uh, be myself or feel a, a certain way or escape anything. Like I said, I didn't. I lost my my father too as well, and you know I didn't have that. I just skated like you and just focused on skating and not dating and listen to music. Like people made fun yeah. of me at school, like "Oh, Toby's going to take his skateboard to the prom," or call me gay, or just make just just make, <laughs> just, just make fun of me in school back then for like whatever. Yeah, uh, but like yeah. yeah, man. I mean, we're very lucky in that sense. I, I don't know. I don't know why we made such like very very mature adult conviction choices at at that age like so at 13 like yeah i'm never gonna try that i don't need this shit rest right? of my life and we just stuck to it that's a yeah. very adult thing to do and very especially that young especially that pain that trauma that 
everything, the drama in your house is everything. Like it, it could have been such an easy way to escape all that shit. And, and you were strong minded enough not to do that at a young age. It's, that's powerful, man. It's really powerful. Well, you can't but wonder too, with you and I specifically, where like, you know, losing our fathers at such young ages and the harsh realities and things like that. And the emphasis that puts on things like, like family, like yep. relationships, friends, yep. love, hobbies, whatever. And it's like, we just maybe, maybe because, uh, while other people are living kind of more innocent at that time, others aren't. And it forces a little more of an adult way of thinking or something. Mm-hmm. You know, I just wonder point. Yeah. if it just kind of was like, you know, without even knowing it kind of, setting a course for life in the way of like, now this is how I'm going to be because I'm, I'm thinking a little more clearly in the way that I recognize that there's accountability and, and you know, I'm going to, my actions are going to have reactions and I want to be on the right side of them, you know? (laughs) Yeah. hundred percent. You want to be control of your life. Yeah. Yeah. And how often like you and I, we've toured together so many times and it's like, dude, we're, we're two of the most like, high energy, enthusiastic people totally behind the scenes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Totally. We're, we're just like fucking spazzes. And it's like, I just, in high school, I didn't need anything, man. If you put a Mountain Dew or a Pepsi in me, <laughs> I'd be fucking bouncing off the walls. So yeah. it's like, you don't want to, you don't want to fuck me up. Cause I'm already the guy that's out of control, you know? A hundred percent. It would have been ugly. Um, so, so, so now you're out of school and now you did strange hit start in school strange yeah that hit. was like my high school band okay um a couple buddies you know it was one of those things that was like just an evolution after evolution it was like yeah this singer kid that was my buddy that we just skated together decided to start a band he played trumpet and nice. we weren't like starting a, a kind of band we were just starting a band yeah you know and and the kind of music i loved and he loved was just so like across the board that we didn't really like commit to a style or anything mm-hmm. at all, you know? Yeah. But meanwhile, like I had green hair and, and I fucking pierced my nose with the safety pin and like, you know, and it was like this punk, like little punker kid, but I wasn't like necessarily starting punk bands per yeah. se. Yeah. And then that band went through like 25 members, like, you know, those <laughs> early day bands tend to do, you know? And then eventually it was like, all right, I should probably pull the plug on this name and, and call it something else. <laughs> so yeah. I did that for a minute and had a band called Dumb Luck that was the same shit, just different name. Us <laughs> playing like everything from like punk and metal to like funk and ska. That's like cool. we were just that band. Everything, you know? yeah, everything. That you'd see at like a Guitar Center grand opening. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so like, true. But, uh, but, um, it, but it was fun. That's all that mattered, man. It was yeah. fun. And, and the problem I had songwriting as a drummer, at least was, um, me and my bandmates were always trying to emulate the bands we loved. Gotcha. So it'd be like, literally we'd play a song that you could refer to as like the, that band, you know, it's like, and so every song was like trying to be another band and we just had zero identity, zero style of our own. Gotcha. We were just trying to emulate the bands we loved and we were so like, we'd get so stoked when we could hear it and see elements of us like yeah. pulling that off a little bit. Yeah. yeah you know? Yeah, yeah. And then it was like, um, Quinn Allman and I, he was in my band. Well, Quinn. Yes. <laughs> yeah. 
we we had a a band that derived from Dumb Luck that that was the one I named the Used, and um, so Quinn and I were doing that, and then uh, Jeff Howard became the bass player because he was our singer at the time. Got you. He just wasn't a good singer at all, man. It was really <laughs> bad. <clears throat> Excuse me, but oh, um. Good. But something really changed drastically with the way Quinn and I wrote music, and because um, he he and I wrote all the music to, you know, the first two albums in in my career, um, it's just him and I sitting down and, and writing everything and, wow. and jamming and and um, so. But the thing that really changed for us when was when Refuse Shape of Punk to Come came out, and mm. we somehow stumbled over the video of New Noise. Six on, and it was like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, you know? and it was like, it was like a take on all this music we loved, and it's like, well, it's kind of punk and kind of hardcore, but it's kind of metal, and it's yeah. kind of, you know, it's just so like, we didn't know what the fuck we were hearing, and there's like <laughs> so electronic true. shit in there, and mm-hmm. and it just kind of took like the idea of like parameters and threw them out the window, and it was like, no, nah, just fucking apply it all to one thing, you know, and yeah. and just fucking vomited out and whatever that is is your music you know and mm-hmm. and so we just kind of started writing music in the way of it's like no like the grooves can be derived from punk from hardcore from funk yeah ska whatever but like i could point out a million spots in our first records where where the beats were you know influenced by a totally different genre of music you know yeah. and, and um it was literally just all about the moment we stopped trying to emulate our influences and were just simply influenced by them was a massive turning point. And then every song we wrote from then on became the first, the used album, you know, and and it was crazy. It was crazy. It was a big, uh, staple point in time. That's for sure. Yeah. What year was that? What year did that first record come out? Um, 2001 was when we started that band and started writing those songs. Yeah. And where did Bert, oh, yeah. Bert, Bert came from? He's like a local kid out there. Yep. So we had played shows. He had um, this like pop punk band called I'm a Stupid okay. that he was in. And they'd do like Op Ivy covers and shit. Nice. And so um, me and Jeff would like go to their shows or just go to local shows because our, our scene was like non-existent, you know, okay. and it had nothing to do with kinds of music. We would literally like rent out a veterans hall and then we'd play with like the local hip hop act, mm-hmm. the local metal act, the local whatever. And it was like, it didn't matter what kind of music you were. If you were a local Utah, Utah County musician, cool. you were welcome. And yeah. we'd put on shows, you know? Yeah, it's awesome. And when there would be a, a skate park or a skate shop, they could do a show or whatever. And so we came from that scene where everybody knew everybody because there were so few bands. And then um, we saw them play in like, it was like an ice cream store like parlor kind of like <laughs> something and makes sense and uh it was like 15 people standing around while they played and then they started playing op ivy and so me and jeff just started like our own little circle pit and we're dragging Sick. kids in with us and just making it fun you know yeah and i was like don't worry i'll be in rancid one day this will be cool you know and like <laughs> oh shit <laughs> but no but it was like uh we just got to know him and he was such a good kid but he was like like pretty hardcore straight edge wow. and um and he was very outspoken and preachy about it um Bert? which was a little turn off because at first yeah. yeah yeah and then 
he started this um, like hardcore straight edge band called Cobra Kai. And it was fucking ferocious, man. Like the raddest, like it was just good. And yeah. we saw that and it was like him screaming, like every note was just blood curling screams. And yeah, it was like, kills holy shit. Yeah. Like Burke can fucking scream, you know? Yeah. And it was like, damn, but didn't like love the band, but he was fucking great. Yeah. And then all of a sudden we heard he was like turned into this like major drug addict. And we we're like, whoa, oh, like what? Shit. What happened? And he was like hooked on meth and then just disappeared. <sighs> wow. And we're like, what the fuck happened to Bert? And it was just like all rumors because no one mm. knew what the fuck. Like we saw him show up to a show just totally fucked up and like, you know, jumped on stage with the band with his ass up the whole time. And it was just like wow. the band was all super bombed. And everybody was just like, what the fuck, dude? Like, you know, and he just kind of got really shitty really quickly and then um and then when we were starting um writing the music to use um quinn and i we were trying to find a singer when we when we were talking to jeff kind of had a heart to heart with him like dude yeah. look you know and, and like you're not a good <laughs> singer but uh we're gonna need something else but um and then it was actually his idea to, to play bass which was awesome yeah that's awesome and then um so we were like Quinn one day was like, what's Bird up to these days? And so we just kind of called around to some friends asking about him and he had just come out of rehab. Oh shit. And we're like, we're like, Oh shit. Okay. Mm. And we called him up and, and we're like, are you doing anything musical or anything right now? And he's like, no, but I'm wanting to. And so we brought him over and showed him this song that we had written. Holy shit. He took it home and, and wrote to it and came back the next day and I recorded him. I had this little digital eight track. I was recording our shit on that I bought. Yep. And uh, and we recorded him in in Jeff's mom's apartment's closet. It was awesome. <laughs> and, and, Holy uh, shit! And and he like sang this song, and it was it became the song Maybe Memories, which was the first song on our first album. Okay. And Holy it, shit. everything just clicked. It was like Holy shit! And it was just like there it is. Like all right, there it is. You know, and that was that. So you started playing shows locally and started like you guys. You guys kind of grow grew really fast. Kind of, and not at all. Um, mm. <laughs> it was crazy because we had all been playing in our local scene for years and did the fuck out of it because yep. there just weren't venues. There were a couple that would like cater to just the conservative college kids, yeah, and so they wouldn't let any bands that were like heavier punk or wild or anything interesting at all gotcha. it was like acoustic like fucking college rock shit yeah. so um so trying to play shows is just pulling teeth because it was like we were just getting creative and we'd try to go play a show there at this like venue and then we'd be told we were never allowed to come back because wow. we weren't a fit for like the venue and it's like yeah. what the fuck mm -hmm. so that kept happening we played a couple skate park shows as they used um we did this comedy club Nice. And it was our first our first show at a comedy club, and it was like 200 people or so because everybody hearing it was like the guys from I'm Was Stupid and Strange yep. Itch or whatever, and their new band. And so, dude, it was like we filled the room, which was awesome, awesome. but everybody just fucking stood there and stared at us the whole time. Mm -hmm. And it was really awkward because we were going fucking ape shit. Yep. Bird ended up throwing up all over the fucking stage because he was just screaming so hard. And then... <laughs> We finish and we're like, God damn, I think people hated us. And then the feedback was all so good. Like oh, everybody wow. loved it. And we're like, 
well, what the fuck? Why'd you all just stand there staring at us? <laughs> you know what I mean? It was like, uh-huh. and then um, the guy that booked the place came and told me, he was like, hey, the, the owner doesn't want bands like you guys playing here, and so you're not going to be able to come back. It's just like, what the wow, fuck, man? Weird. Like, So we actually kind <laughs> of just shifted our perspective, and we're like, you know what? Rather than fucking trying to play this fucking town to death playing shitty tiny shows, yeah. let's just focus on our songwriting. Mm-hmm. And I had that little A-track recorder, and we just fucking went to town just writing and writing and writing. And then uh, just kind of prioritized that over shows for like yep. six months. Holy shit. And literally, I think every song we wrote in that time was our debut album, except wow. like we left like one song off, you know? Mm-hmm. But um, but yeah, it was crazy. So we didn't like blow up in our scene at all. It was kind of like the scene was just didn't, it wasn't having it, you know? Yeah. There was just no room for a band like us and to do anything, you know? So the record came out and did... Did that record have had a single and then a video on MTV too? Did, did it blow up right when it first came out? Or was it gradual? Like no, we actually I can't remember. I can't remember. So we were super skeptical about the music industry because being from Utah, there had never been a signed band to like a major label, and Not all you. we heard was all the bad shit you hear about, you know, yeah. major labels in the '90s. And so it was like coming into 2001, 2002, the digital era is just beginning. iPods are just becoming a thing. All that shit. And it was just like, we had no idea. We teamed up with John Feldman because I had been sending nice. demos and he was an unknown producer at the time, had only done a couple things that sounded like Goldfinger. And um, and so he flew us out to LA and we and we did a demo with him. And then he introduced us to John Reese and Paul Gomez, yep. who became our managers and are just such great guys. And then he introduced us to Eric Greenspan, who became our lawyer. And he had represented like the Chili Peppers their entire career. Nice. And like, um, so we were just like, holy shit, like meeting all these people. And we had no idea what to expect. And so they all started shopping it. And all of a sudden we had like a dozen major labels trying to sign us. And we were getting flown out to New York and LA and yeah. doing showcasing. And and so we just kind of pumped the brakes with the management. We're like, all right, let's, let's cut this off here. Let's narrow it down to like our top two favorites which was Island Def Jam and Warner Brothers. Yep. And it was like, who's going to just let us do what we want? Because we don't want that nightmare of a, of a fucking major label situation yeah, to scary. happen that we've heard about all yes. our you know, time playing music. And so um, the president of Warner Brothers at the time and our A&R guy was the, Craig Aronson. He was the best fucking yeah, A&R man. guy, the yeah. best guy rest in peace um that's right and uh that's right yeah and so but i mean dude he had signed everybody from like at the drive-in mm-hmm. and like he had been with capital for a while and was just signing really cool shit um he was actually one of the first guys to try to sign green day and um wow. and he he was just known for like signing shit that wasn't because it would be huge but because it would change the way things were I you like know that. yeah i like that and and so he saw that in us, which was super cool. And the label was willing to let us have like complete creative control, everything from our album artwork and sequence to what we do with singles and things like that. Damn, and then that's awesome. the big thing for us was that we just told them we wanted to tour. We're like, we don't want you to take us to radio or MTV or any shit like that. We're like, 
where like every one of our favorite bands that we all love, we found on our own. It yeah. wasn't fucking crammed down our throat on the radio or or something like that. Like it was finding bands at Warp Tour or finding bands through small shows and, yeah. and word of mouth and skate videos and all this stuff. And we're like, yep. so we just need to get out there and start playing. And so rather than do anything like that, we arranged and got a budget to buy a motorhome. Awesome. And then we just fucking toured like crazy, dude. Like our longest break in the first like two years, our longest break we had at home was 10 days. Wow. And it was just nonstop. And so it wasn't until we had been at it for a while. We did like all of Warp Tour on like the side small stages where like, you know, we didn't have water. We didn't have anything. I remember. No um, towels. Do you remember like, <laughs> yeah, dude, fuck no. Hell no. And like, do you remember like like Yoohoo was a big sponsor? Yeah, man. Um, warm that ass, year warm ass Yoohoo's. Yeah. Yep, dude. <laughs> Yoohoo and and Easy Mac, and so we were living off of Yoohoo and Easy Mac doing our first warp tour, and literally like we wouldn't even have stage water. We would have fucking Yoohoo on stage with us because it was all we could get a hold of. So gross, you know. Yeah, I just remember playing those hot ass warp tour shows and under like a little tent out in the dirt. Cause we were just a little band and then like hot as hell in between songs, taking a swig of Yoohoo. It's like, <laughs> fuck man. Oh, water, water in a box, <laughs> the, the box waters they had too. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Right. Wow. And it was just, it was, it was interesting. And I remember being at one point, like we'd be like on a day off maybe and, and go to like a music store and try to find our record. Cause it was so exciting. And they oh, wouldn't yeah. have it. We'd ask about it and, we wouldn't be in their system. And it's like, Oh shit. Like I thought having a record out would be a little different. You know, Mm -hmm. like like I thought we'd be able to find it, you know? And, and it just was like, we went straight from that warp tour straight into Ozfest, and we didn't quite fit in entirely on either, but it worked with both, you know? And, yeah. And, um, and then right around then we had, um, made our first like proper music video and the band just organically started to blow up more and more. And then our album went gold after almost one year. Exactly. That's fucking crazy. So it's kind of crazy. So, so the video came out before the record. No, no, we okay, didn't put okay. a video out until okay. we had been touring for quite a while. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it was fun. We, we tried to just like, um, we did like a homemade little thing for a song called box full of sharp objects. Yeah. Just like Feldman in it. Like, um, put together with just footage of us fucking around when we were doing our demo and stuff. Yeah. And um, otherwise, we finally recorded like our or filmed our first proper video. Um, I believe it was the Malloys that made it. They had done like I remember that the Malloy um, Brothers. Yeah, hand- yeah, yeah. Yeah, they'd done like a handful of Blink videos at the time. And was that the ta- was that the taste like of that, ink? But um, yeah, yeah. Yep. Okay. And dude, we brought like everyone That's a out. Banger for that video that we had like all of our new friends we had met and were doing stuff with, like, like Craig Aronson had a little nice, cameo in man. there, like buying some shit in the gas station. Um, <laughs> Chris Markovich was there like skating with me in the video. That's cool. And, um, Paul Gomez was in the video. Like we just tried to make it like this total, like friends and family vibe and try to make it. That whole video was like about our story and me working at, Burlington Coat Factory tagging things in the back, you know, <laughs> warehouse. Because yeah. that was my last job I had. That's so sad. And, uh, but it was fun, man. It was, it was a good experience, yeah. you know. And so 
when that video came out, that was like that was kind of like a game changer because you guys have already been touring. Your name's out there. You've been grinding the warp tours and all these different tours. And then when the video came out and all that, it just it kind of changed everything, did it? Yeah, it was. It was just kind of playing catch up a little bit, where yeah. it was like bands started to blow up bigger than we were doing things. So that was where we started to kind of take it a little more to like TV and radio and yeah. stuff. Where it was nice because yeah. it was organic. Where it was like people asking for a video, people asking for another single and stuff like that, where it was cool. Cause again, we all kind of came from that, that, um, I don't know that you can call it underground just cause we were from such a small town, but yeah, we were just so skeptical of this industry and TV and all these things that it was just like, all right, but we're going to do this fucking our way. Cause we're not going to, you know, like mm-hmm. just do whatever mainstream bullshit. So we don't have a career in two years from now. Yeah. You know? Yeah come out with a big single that everybody's forgotten about the next year, you know? And yeah, so it was really important to us. And we brought a lot of that, like punk rock ethos that we had come up on with mm-hmm. us and, and that approach of just being more DIY and kind of earning it. Yeah. And, uh, not letting like, it just felt like there wasn't integrity to do it any other way. Yeah. You know, like this is, yeah. this was the only way we could feel good about it and keep it pure and, and, um, I don't know. Just Your protect own. it. Because yeah, we yeah. were really, we were really paranoid. It was your baby. And none of us, yeah. we all came from like poor backgrounds. So none of us gave a fuck about making money from it. Mm-hmm. It was just like, wait, so we can quit our jobs and just go tour. Yeah. Like, fuck yeah. Like we didn't have homes or apartments or anything. We had to pay rent on. We were just fucking squatting wherever. And so it didn't matter. And we could just go play shows and then come yeah. back and crash with whoever, and then take off on another tour. And, and so we didn't give a fuck about that. So luckily we, we, uh, could keep the intention for all the right reasons mm-hmm. and just really protect it. And, um, I think it showed, you know, I think that resonated with people. And I think it was something that a lot of people like us were the people that became big fans of that band because mm-hmm. they saw us and them and them and us. And yeah. we were all just cut from the same cloth, you yeah. know? What was it like going back after that, like playing Utah after that? Because you guys weren't really playing that much, but then you went out and did it on your own and then came back to your hometown. What was that like? People... It was awesome, man. It yeah. was like the first couple times we did, we were just playing some of the super small, like independent venues in our county, yeah. you know, not going to Salt Lake City with things. We just played like right there, other than like if Warp Tour or something came to Utah. But yeah. it was so fun to just be like, you could feel a lot of pride um, from our scene, if you want to call it that. Yeah. But, um, a lot of mixed things because again, we were the first signed band in Utah history to a major label, unless you count like Donnie Marie Osmond or something, <laughs> you know, but like, Donnie Marie Osmond but like there was that band ice burn that was on revelation yeah. records. Yeah, that's right. Um, they were from Salt Lake city. That's right. Um, and that was really the biggest like claim to fame that yeah. Utah had at the time. Wow. And, um, so for us to be on like Warner Brothers, but yet like doing shit our way and didn't have that like major label vibe to it Stay at all. It was like, it, yeah. now if this is what a major label is like, we've been told wrong because we are running shit a hundred percent and like sick. picking everything we do. No one's telling us what to do and it's fucking great. You know? Yeah. Um, so it was awesome, man. People were really warm. And then there'd be like the handful of people that didn't know how to take it because you know, it was like watching their friends blow up and, and do good. And, and it was just like, sorry, 
like I don't know, like <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah, weird situation. Like, well, it sounds like. like man, it's, I don't, <laughs> go ahead. Yeah, I don't know. It was just weird. Like, yeah, even like my mom had had disowned me at, at the time before I was in a band. Like, what? you know, and wouldn't wouldn't talk to me. Told me not to call her, her mom, my mom, and um, wow, you know, she just didn't support what I was wanting to do. Yeah, and um. But then it was weird how, like, suddenly if I'm on television or on a magazine cover, mm. I became the favorite son, you know? And Interesting. Was, yeah. That was a, a tricky time to work through because I would, like, if I'd go visit her house, you know, her whole living room was covered in, like, my shit and my gold record and my photos of me for magazines. And mm. then, like, way down the hall would be, like, my siblings and photos of them and their families. And I'm just like, Mom fuck you wow. know <laughs> like, like, like favoritism and stuff yeah 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 and i was like i was like literally like what i'm doing goes against everything you wanted me to do and like you know and it's like and you're just glorifying me for the, all the wrong reasons like mm. i was like if you want to be proud of me because i like endured all this like you know shit and i survived and living in a house my dreams come true mm-hmm. yeah like that's cool but like yeah and i told her i was like next time i come over I want to make sure there's as much of my siblings on that wall as there me, wow. you know? And, and, and I was like, cause that's fucked up. Like what, what does that say to all of them? Mm-hmm. You know, like that yeah. them and their families and the, the life they chose to live aren't fucking worthy of like, you know, I just felt like yeah. it was really shitty. And as much as I appreciated that she turned around and was being proud, it was for the wrong reasons. Mm. And I felt like that was really shitty to my siblings and almost like I was showing great. You off she was receptive. And, yeah. Yeah, you know what I mean? And and it was like my little sister would have like friends conveniently over that looked like they'd all be in my chemical romance and it was yeah. just like just to <laughs> get a glimpse of me and I'm like oh, All right, shit. hi kids. Yeah, this yeah. This isn't yeah. a fucking meet and greet. I'm here to see my mom, like fuck. You know? <laughs> get off my porch. But, <laughs> but yeah, you know? Wow. But she Hometown was, she came around and was like she was really receptive to that and, and did exactly that. Like literally took down that shit and put up photos of the family everywhere. And, cool. and you know, it was cool. It was cool. There was, yeah. you know, everything took a while, but, um, it got to a good point eventually, you know? Yeah. And one of those tours we did with you was the box car racer H2O used tour. Hell yeah. That was 2004, Dude, I think. Right. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I believe so. I think, um, I want to say it was like, close to winter because i think that ended right before thanksgiving yeah, yeah, yeah. If i remember correctly yeah that was a great tour man it's such a fun tour man dude to this day that was one of my top tours of my career for sure that's awesome and it was like there was so much rad stuff about it that was our first tour to have a tour bus nice. we had never been on a bus before that one yeah and uh and the boxcar racer guys remember they had like catering and shit yeah, some of the times like, yeah man it was just it's like no joke. it was like a whole new world of touring. Like, what is this? Like, <laughs> I get to go to sleep and wake up at the venue, and I don't even have to fucking drive. Yeah, like, bro. what? You know? And yeah, it was crazy. And then I was so intimidated going into that tour because between Todd Friend and Travis Barker, I was just like, "Fuck!" Like, how am I supposed to share a stage with these guys? Like, I was so nervous. I was like, "Oh my god, this is like." incredible drummers and bands that fucking shred and i gotta go like do my thing and like oh my god like that was intimidating you're not, you ain't too shabby you, you ain't too so shabby rad. yourself my friend um 
What's you, that? I said you ain't too shabby. You ain't too shabby yourself. You do. You did well, man. You, you, you guys killed it, man. Uh, thank you. Those are great shows, man. Like it was such a good little pack. It was a different, diverse package, and like I think the timing of that tour, just everything, just there was a lot of good energy at those shows, you know. Yeah, I loved it. That was such a great tour. I loved it. Did, did you guys? So did you guys drop another single off that first record after Taste of Ink? There's another one. Um, there was another yeah, one. Yeah, we did. Um, we did one called "Buried Myself Alive." Yeah, yeah, that's the one. Yep. Um, yeah, and then I'm trying to think. That did think well that too. Was it though. For that, that did well though. That did well. Both of them did. Yeah, great. yeah, yeah. There were a couple like of the more mellow songs that we wanted to get to. There was one that's always been a favorite of mine called "Blue and Yellow." Mm-hmm. Um, that's a little more chill song. That's like yeah. one of my favorite beats I ever wrote, and nice. we never quite got around to like pushing those as singles because yeah. it just felt like we needed to take a break from tour and then we need to write a new record. So we just, the moment we stopped touring, we started writing our second record, you know? But, um, but yeah, that, that first one, that was a hell of a run, man. It was, it was nuts. Yeah. Did that end up going platinum? I think, didn't it? What's that? Did that go platinum. The first one. Yeah, they they yeah, um sure. both the records I did with the used went platinum. Wow. Um, but it was a it was such a tease because they were both in like the nine hundred thousands and <laughs> platinum's a, a million for anybody that doesn't know. But um, yeah, they were so close when when uh, I was when I was kicked out of the band. Oh man. Like they were so close to platinum, and it just <clears> like broke my heart. And so it took all this time, and they just barely went platinum. Um, earlier this year. Or oh, no, wow. That was last year. Yeah, last year they went platinum. Did you get a plaque? So, took a minute. Yeah, yeah, I awesome. got plaques for both. Awesome, awesome. That's sick, man. That's amazing. It was actually funny because the companies, the companies had me like doing all the work, like sorting that out and getting the plaques done and everything. I'm like, yeah. you know I'm not, in the, I haven't been in the band for 14 years, right? Wow, man, that's <laughs> crazy. Like, but, yeah. I'll sort of, I'll years. continue to sort out the business for this band. <laughs> what, what, that was my role in the band. What, so. what year did you get kicked out? What year was that? 2006. Dude, that's, dude, that's like almost bittersweet, man. The blessing, a blessing and a curse, or a blessing in disguise, because then you end up being in your favorite band, which is how long was that gap in between getting kicked out and then having it and then trying out for Rancid? Two months. Wow, man. Only two months. Holy shit. Well, no, no, no. Sorry. Three months. Three months. That is freaking incredible, man. And dude, ironically, today's August 1st, right? Yes, sir. This is the anniversary of me getting kicked out. I got kicked out on August 1st, 2006. Holy shoot. I guess happy anniversary. Yeah, I guess? right? <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. And then it was, uh, wow. it was October. It was... Fuck, it was November 1st that I joined Rancid. Holy shit. That's incredible, man. What a man. whirlwind, man. Yo, that's incredible. I mean, it's, it's a similar story to Adam Blake who got kicked out of Shelter, and then maybe maybe two or three months later, he was back in America trying out for H2O. That's crazy, man. So rad. And he, and he, Love that. Yeah, he, and he, we became so tight with him on the, H, on the H2O Shelter until he started riding in our van with us and totally connecting with him. So that was, that was pretty amazing because otherwise he would have just been – yeah, he just went back to England, you know what I mean? So I'm glad we made that connection. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, things happen yeah. for a reason, bro, for sure. It's crazy, you know? And, and like, 2003 um, it was a, a very different year than 2002 because that 2002, we were, like, the tiny band, like, 
in a tent in the dirt on Warp Tour. Yes. And 2003, we were one of the headliners. Um, and then it was one of the most incredible years um, because Rancid was on there too as a headliner. And that whole lineup, dude, it was like AFI, Dropkick Murphys, Thrice, Glassjaw, like so many awesome bands. Like that was, in my opinion, the best year Warp Tour ever. Yeah, yeah. But, um, and uh, so I've always been a massive Rancid fan, you know, certainly, you know, my favorite punk band, like, I mean, forever, like since yeah. I first fucking heard them, you know, and um, and so it was a trip because, um, hell, I've been listening to Rancid for longer than I've been playing drums, you know, <laughs> like it's crazy, uh, so weird. Yeah. But we became friends on that tour, and we just like you know hang little bits here and there, and and uh, and get to know each other, and it was it was like a dream man like these guys were just legends yeah you know and and the fucking coolest and so it was awesome to get to know everybody and um you know matt freeman always jokes that that my only audition was when he and i first met which was actually in new york um i had a day off tour and transplants were on tour with foo fighters oh shit. And i remember that tour yeah so on yeah and my day off i took a train from wherever the hell I was into the city and went to this transplant show. And then, um, we all went to dinner, like a big crew of mutual friends. And I happened to be seated across from Matt Freeman and his wife. No way, dude. That's and crazy. we just started making conversation and like, Hey, how's it going? Like I'm Brandon. And I was just chatting it up with them and, and with her. And yeah, she's so sweet. I love Betsy. But, um, and then, he always jokes that that was like my real audition because if I wouldn't have been so nice to Betsy <laughs> that <laughs> night, then he would have never fucking let me join that band. <laughs> wow. That's fucking funny, man. I was okay. like, that's, that's awesome. That lasting impression. That's but, amazing. That's awesome. Yeah. So, 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 yeah. so were you nervous? Did you have a tryout? No, that was the thing. So, what? so I had been out of the band um, and dude, I was gutted because, I'm sure, the whole man. reason I'm I got sure. fired was because I've been sober, you know? Mm. And I was just like, I'm probably one of the first people to get fired from a band for not partying. <laughs> yeah, like that's, that's gotta be a first. <laughs> you know what I mean? That sounds so <laughs> crazy <laughs> when you say it like that. Oh, that's so right? true. Wow. I was man. like, what the fuck is that? Like, you know, fun, you know, fun, bro. Band. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> I named the band. I got, I fucking produced our demos that got us fucking, signed i fucking networked everything Mm. i negotiated our record deal i fucking wrote our set list i would do fucking everything and it was just like but i wouldn't party and it was like they said they wanted somebody more like them and i was too different and and i got fucking fired and because like management label producer no one fucking stood up and was like yo this is fucked you're gonna ruin this shit Mm. don't do this you know and i was like if that's the kind of industry I'm in where I can fucking be loyal to my band, fucking focused on the work and performing, be fired. I'm loyal to my, yeah. my wife at the time. I'm, you know, I was like, I'm just honest and fucking working hard and that's going to get me fired. Mm-hmm. You know, I was like, fuck this industry. Like I'll go fucking get a day job and play drums for fun because fuck yeah. that. Yeah. You know, and I had such a bad taste in my mouth where I was like, nah, fuck this shit. 
and then that couple months went by and um and max weinberg bless yeah. his heart would actually he would call me like once a week and just give me like pep talks and just fucking like legal advice and he'd be wow. like i'll never forget it he was like he was like you know when bruce broke up the e street band in 87 Ringo Starr would call me all the time and check on me and give me advice and stuff. And he's like, so I'm just hoping I can, you know, do the same for you. And wow. I was, it was blowing my fucking mind. I'm like, are you serious? Like, who the fuck am I? Like, this is insane. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> it was, that's amazing. It man. was just crazy. Yeah. And I'll never forget. I was driving, uh, with my best friend, Spike heading Spike, to a Spike. Love Spike. Yeah. Um, still still one of my best friends on earth and uh and we were driving to the rancid show and i was on the phone with max the whole way up there and he's just pep talking me and just being so rad we get there we're side stage right before rancid goes on and the guys see me and they're like dude like we heard what happened that's fucked stick around afterward like come hang out and i was like all right Mm. and so they're giving me like shout outs on stage and shit which was super fucking rad and then we go on the bus afterward and, and the whole band is like, dude, it's like band and crew. Everyone's in the front lounge of the bus. And I'm just like telling my story, what happened. And everyone's just throwing in like their two cents. Yeah. And a lot of the guys are like, fuck that band. You were the only one we liked anyway. <laughs> like, oh, you know, shit. like It was just, it was funny, but um, yeah. they were just so cool and supportive. And, mm-hmm. and they're, and they're like, maybe just like try starting a band with your friends or, yeah, whatever and i'm like yeah i did that and this is where it got me yeah, exactly. you know and, yeah yeah and, and and so they're like um just hang in there you know something will work out and then tim was like he's like dude i got a good feeling about you just don't don't give up you know like and i'm like fuck yeah like all right between all of rancid you know my fucking punk rock heroes and max weinberg these people tell me not to give up on this shit yeah i was like fuck yeah so i just started playing drums every day like fucking anything and everything and, Jeez, and yeah. just digging in yeah i hadn't played touch my kit in months at that time wow. and um and i'll never forget it dude i fucking got an email from or a text from tim because he had been texting me like every couple days since that show just checking mm-hmm. on me and he texted me and was like hey give me a call and i was like what the hell like wow all right like that's different and then he i call him up and he's like he sounds like down and I'm like, Hey man, like what's going on? And he's like, yeah, I'm just home, you know, in between shows and whatever. We're off for a few days. And he's like, but Brett Reed just quit rancid. And Holy I was just shit. fucking gutted dude. Cause I thought he's basically telling me rancid broke up uh-huh. and it was just like, fucking no. Like, you know, and, and I'm like, Oh my God. And he's like, yeah, we got this tour in like four days or whatever. Oh. Um, this like three and a half week UK tour. And he's like, and he's like, so we're just wondering, will you do it? Holy and I was just like, shit. without a doubt, I was like, fuck yeah. And he's like, hell yeah. And, and I'm like, and dude, <laughs> I had tears running down my face that I was trying to hide. Oh, <laughs> like, man. Instantly like nauseous and, and just flooded with fucking emotion, dude. I'm like, sure, man. It was incredible. Wow. And, and he, I'm going to have Lars call you and give you some songs to learn. I'm like, all right. And Lars calls me and gives me 25 songs to learn in two days. And I'm like, 
okay. And I played drums fucking all day and all night, yeah. <laughs> like every day, you know, just, yeah. and it was like, it wasn't new. Like these are songs I've known forever, mm-hmm. but I would never play drums to rancid. I was more exactly. likely to like fucking play guitar or like, you know, whatever with friends and rancid songs. So I never like sat down and played drums to rancid songs. Yeah. Um, but so just learning like the little subtle differences and, and spots here and there and, and tempos, you know, it was like, I had a lot to fucking learn. And, uh, I flew out to LA shipped my drums to fucking England wow. and flew to LA to practice on this, like just whatever kit we could get a hold of out there. And those guys just like bombarded me. They walked in the room of <laughs> this like little rehearsal spot and they're like, Hey, and they all give me hugs, pick up their guitars. And Lars was like, should we play roots? And just starts roots radicals. Wow. I'm like, Oh my God. Like they've been in the room for less than a minute. <laughs> you know, I, mean? I was like, yeah. Holy shit, we're going. You know, and I'm this like, happening. dude, like I fucking hadn't stopped being nauseous in two days. And, and I was like, oh, my God. And I just fucking played the song did my part. We finished. They were stoked. They're like, hell yeah. Like, sounded great. And they're like, let's try a fast one. And so they wanted to play. It's quite all right. Yeah. And I'm like, all right. And so we play that song. But the album version doesn't have many fills in there. Okay. But I know the vocal and stuff, so I know there's just some room to breathe and, and some room to do some stuff. So we play that song, and I just flexed a tiny bit and just threw a few fills in here and there that didn't want to step on the vocal or anything. And we got done with that one, and they were all just like laughing and like, oh, my God, you know? And I was it's like cool, man. super stoked. And then they're like, let's take a break. And I'm just like, what? Like we've been playing for four minutes, you know, like, like <laughs> we right. spent twenty songs in and four so, minutes. Okay, oh, yeah. Um, I'm like, oh my god. And then we go outside, <laughs> and they're like passing around a phone, I think, talking to a lawyer or something, and doing whatever. And I'm just kind of sitting there on this bench. And then uh, Freeman and they all come and sit down right in front of me, and they're like, "All right, so we'd like you to join Rancid permanently as a full quarter member, like." Oh, are you my down? Fucking play two songs. And I was like, <laughs> dude, two songs. And I was like, yeah, of course. And they're like, fuck yeah, let's go play. And we went in. And we didn't even rehearse the rest of the set. We only played a handful more songs. And then the next day, we got to rehearse again and only played a few songs. And they're like, you'll be fine. <laughs> and I'm like, fuck. And Holy we fucking shit. got on a plane to England. It was insane, dude. Wow, man. That's Fucking insane. It sounds like a movie. So, and it was a big show in England, I'm sure, man. <laughs> right? Like, the wow. whole thing, man, it was a whirlwind. Like, that tour, I'll never forget that first show. I, I think it was in Manchester. Uh, I yeah. could be wrong. But um, that first show, man, I was so nervous but so excited. And it was just like, man, like, it just – and everyone, you could tell the, the nerves were there. You yeah. Know? And I was trying to keep my shit – cool because i didn't want the other guys to be nervous like i wasn't confident you know but yeah at the same time i was just like fuck 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 <laughs> like, like and uh it's probably very surreal started, man. yeah oh dude the most surreal thing and uh yeah the moment we started it all just went away and it was it went fucking great wow that's but incredible it man. it's incredible just like you're playing with your favorite band and like fuck man 
it just seems like uh, yeah, it seems like it happened really fast, and you can't even like really understand what's happening until after you probably so after you played that first set, you probably must been so fucking psyched. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, and the, the funny thing was after our first rehearsal, Lars gave me thirteen more songs to learn, Holy and then um, every night of that tour, they'd give me a couple more songs to learn because they don't. You know, they're playing a different set every night. Yeah, man. And so yeah. we were playing like a 30-song set, but that was a different 30-song. You know, we'd keep a few of the same, but it was like they just like to switch up the set, rotate wow. songs in and out. And so it was just kept me on my toes for sure, you know. Shoot. And, and uh, fuck, it was crazy. And then here's, a, here's another side story. Um, this was one of my favorite fucking things to ever happen. We were playing the first San Francisco show. So oh, it was their first yep. hometown show mm-hmm. in like January of, of 07. Okay. And uh, I think, or maybe it could have been December 06, somewhere around there. Um, so I was nervous, but super excited because first hometown show, I just needed to deliver for all their friends and family and, and, you know, like let everybody rest easy that like, I'm not here to fucking ruin this band. <laughs> you know, yeah, like, exactly. I, wanna, I was like, you know, and, and just felt like I had something to prove a little bit. And no, not even, I take that back. It wasn't, I, I didn't feel like I had something to prove. It was just more that I knew what this band meant to me totally, and what it would mean to me to know that that's, you know, on the verge of changing. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and I wanted to kind of bring the relief to people that like, no, our favorite band is still our favorite band. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, this isn't going away. You know, yeah. and and uh, just didn't. Want, I just wanted it to remain special for people. Mm-hmm. And um, but so like the day before that show, we're all like, you know, they pull us all together for like a band meeting in the front of the bus, and Tim tells us that Jesse Michaels hit him up because we had been playing off Ivy songs in our set, and we we're doing um one in particular that's my favorite op ivy song which is unity and my first band strange itch used to cover unity nice. we would have it on our fucking album our little ghetto cd we made has mm-hmm. our cover of unity on it yeah and so he's like yeah jesse wants to come out and sing unity with us <laughs> and i'm like oh my god like, like i was like oh my god that's like fucking mind awesome. blown yeah and so Everybody agreed and they were down. Jesse came out to the show and uh, we fucking played Unity, which is the closest thing to an Op Ivy reunion that's ever Holy happened because shit, that was man. everyone from Operation Ivy except Dave Mello and I had his part and then Lars was playing. So it was insane, dude. That's One incredible, of the fucking man. raddest moments ever. Yeah. And so the crowd must have been fucking went crazy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. San Francisco crowd, uh, like <laughs> seeing Op Ivy basically Dude. play Unity, like, and just no fucking like, no heads up about it at all. Just kind of a subtle like, <laughs> we're gonna bring a friend out on this next one mm-hmm. kind of thing. And then it's like Jesse Michaels, and it was like, I counted it off, and we fucking played it. That's incredible. Is that is that the only time that's ever happened with him? Oh yeah, yeah. Wow, time. Dude, holy shit, that's awesome, yeah. man. And my first, my first show in hometown San Francisco for those yeah. guys. So, what, what was it like coming back to Utah playing with Rancy for the first time? That must have been awesome. That was awesome. Well, 
so that has a story too. Everything's got a long story. It's all, it's I'm all, fucking nah, so long winded. Nah, bro, I love you. Go ahead. This is great. But um, but so our first, my first show in Salt Lake City, I was so fucking excited. Um, we had all these arrangements made. There's fucking like 200 people on my guest list or something crazy. <laughs> like it was insane. And then um, the day of the show something happened Uh-oh. and Matt Freeman woke up and couldn't fucking move his arm. Oh, I remember this shit, dude. I remember this dude. Yeah. And it was like, what? And I kind of thought people were fucking with me. Like, yeah, we need you to come to the venue. And like, yeah, yeah. Like I was on my way for sound check and, and, uh, I get there and he's just in the worst fucking pain. Something happened. We don't know what <clears throat> they took him to a hospital. They didn't know what the fuck was going on, but he like couldn't move his fucking arm. Wow. And so we had to fucking cancel the show. Oh, man. It was two nights. Holy shit. Two nights in Salt Lake, and we canceled them. And <sighs> we had Vegas, like, after those shows. So the shows got canceled, and everybody just headed to Vegas. And I'm just like, oh, fuck. Man. Now I'm, instead of playing at home, I'm spending two days off in Vegas. Like, fuck. Like, it was such a yeah. bummer. But you went I back. Mean, you went back. Nothing. And- Damn. Nothing on Matt at all, you know what I mean? Like, I had his back, and and we got to look out for each other, you know what I mean? Like, of course, but but just, I was so fucking excited, and there was so much planned. I'm sure. You know, so, but um, I don't think it was too, it didn't take too long for us to get back there and do the makeup shows. Nice. Might have been a few months even, but um, but everybody was good about getting back out and doing the shows, and and we did, and it just fucking went off, and they were super cool, and, and I was saying some shit to the crowd here and there and just like the love was was just incredible and i've always had so much support from my hometown my home state and yeah. you know it, it means the world to me like through thick and thin there's been so many people that have had my back so yeah. it's it's been incredible yeah did uh it's freeman's freeman's obviously all good now but did, did he have to miss a couple more shows or just he was okay after that no yeah he was good um i think they put some shots like some i, I feel like he got like some homeopathic shots or something mm-hmm. into it and things like that that just chilled out whatever was going on and and he ended up being fine yeah but um yeah it was just a fluke thing that kicked in just in time for those two shows you know that's crazy man and then what about yeah. did the guys in the use ever got to see you play with ranson um kind of we uh we happened to play just a few years ago um we played a we were on the same festival together oh, okay and burton you know, popped over um there was uh i had ran into those guys a few times you know and yeah and bert called me um on his birthday he called me like after i don't remember how long it had been not yeah. not a year but um he called me at like 3 a.m one time and i'm just like uh, and i remember that because he called him like so what do I owe the pleasure? <laughs> and, yeah. and cause I haven't talked to anybody. They just ghosted me. And, mm. and so he's like, it's my birthday. I'm like, well, happy birthday. Is that why you called? You know? And he's like, I miss you. And I'm like, yeah, well, you know, and, and like, I kind of like was letting him have it a little bit, but yeah. just because he didn't have my back. And I was like, yeah. dude, like, yeah, you weren't the one that fired me, but you also didn't fucking stand up for me either. Exactly. You know? And mm-hmm. it was just like, I was really hurt, of course, you know. Yeah. Again, I started that band. I fucking named the band. I did everything. Like, yeah. And, but I know it wasn't all me. It, it relied on all four of us. Totally. You know, and, and so 
I was really hurt, but we talked for fucking hours and it was great and everything was cool and nice. And you know, it was all good. And then, um, like the next time they came to Salt Lake city, I popped up just to say hi to him and that was it. And, and, um, I was, I was still bummed at Jeff because they tried to fire him several times and even making our records, you know, the producer and people would be like wanting to get somebody else. And I was like the dude that was like, no, fuck that. That is back. This Mm -hmm. is our brother and he's the bass player. And no, like, you know, and, and so it really hurt me that, if I wouldn't have fought for him as many times as I did, he wouldn't have been in the band. Mm-hmm. And so it just sucked that when it came up for the idea to kick me out, that he just went along with it so easily, you know? And yeah, I get so it. it took me a, a while to be cool with him, you know? And after a while, it's just, just like, ah, you know what? The pain has gone away. It is what it is. And you know, we, life goes on. So yeah. Yeah. You know, I hate to say it's all good, but it's all good. You yeah, know? Yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, and then fucking, I got into a situation that was interesting because I was filling in on drums for Goldfinger yep. and they were playing Gros Rock in Belgium. Okay. And so I'd committed to doing the show. I'd done a handful of shows with them already. And then, um, and then it was like the day before I left to fly out there that Feldman gave me a heads up like, Oh, uh, just so you know, the used are also on this show. Mm. And I'm just like, what? Like now you fucking tell me <laughs> the day before. Yeah, and he's yeah. like, and he's like, so, you know, like they're going to be there. They're going to be hanging around. Like, what are you going to do? I'm like, I don't fucking know, you know? And, and I was just like, ah, like, cause I hadn't seen or talked to Quinn and Quinn was the one that fired me. Gotcha. And so I was like, Jesus, like, I don't know what I'll fucking do when I see this guy. I don't know if I'll hug him, if I'll punch him, if I'll fucking ignore him. Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't know, you know? How many years and had then, it been um, since you saw him? Uh, fuck. Uh, maybe two. Okay. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I lose track of that timeline a bit. Yeah. Uh, I could probably figure it out with a little thought, but mm, who has time for that? Yeah, that's but, okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it was awesome because, like, we got to that show and fuck everybody was there, dude. Like, like, um, I feel like who all was it? Dropkick Murphy's were playing. Yeah. Um, I feel like Madball was there, but maybe not. Mm-hmm. Um, what year was that? Uh, would have been probably like 2008, maybe yeah. 2009. Yeah. We might've been there too, actually. I, man. Forget, I, might, like, I might've been there. Actually. I'm looking it up right now. Yeah. We just had so many of like, Mutual friends are, yeah. I just lost you. Home, you know? Yeah. And so I wasn't sweating if I saw those guys. It's like, nah, I don't give a fuck. Because at first I was uncomfortable. I was like, well, fuck, I'm not like with my band. I'm not with like my people. Like these guys are my friends, but it just wasn't quite the same, you know? Um, So I was just like, uncomfortable about the situation until I got there and was just like, nah, this is where I belong. And I'm with, I'm surrounded by people that I respect and respect me. And yep. and it was all good. Yeah. And then, um, I'll never forget where I was in catering. I'd already played and Quinn came walking in and I was just like, I called out to him. I'm like, Quinn, I'm like, are you trying to avoid me? And I was like, get the fuck over here. And I just got up and give him a huge hug. And it 
something just in that moment completely went away. It's awesome, man. And it didn't matter anymore. Like, I just, I, I loved the dude. It was yeah. like, no, nah, this is my fucking friend, man. Mm-hmm. Like, like, yeah, he made a bad decision, and it fucked all of us because that band fucking started to plummet after that. Their, their first record they made without me got rejected from the label when oh, they wow. submitted it. Wow. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it was like, again, things I don't take credit for myself. That's not about me. Mm-hmm. But I, I like to use the analogy. It's like, say you have like the perfect recipe for fucking chocolate chip cookies. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, if you take out one of those ingredients, it's not saying that's the main ingredient, but if you take it out, you're going to fuck up that perfect recipe. Yeah. You know? And, point. It's a great and answer, our man. lineup was like a perfect recipe. And by removing it, Dan, who took my place, is an incredible fucking drummer. He really is. So mm-hmm. it's not about ability. It was just not the same recipe and it, and it fucked them, you know? Mm. And, and, um, they're still doing their thing They're I can't say they're fucked, but we were certainly in our prime. Yeah. Um, before that, you know? Yeah. And, um, uh, and yeah, I've been, Quinn and I have been cool ever since, awesome. you know, he's one of my best friends. We're writing music together and doing a lot of things together. And, and I love that dude. That's like, incredible. I've given man. him, we've had a, a thousand talks about it and yeah, it's yeah. just it's all good you know yeah. it, it, it's all good that's good to be in the plate get, get in a place like that too that's awesome you know what i mean move forward and shit for sure and it's not a life i want to live you know yeah. carrying that fucking darkness of like hatred or bitterness you know it's like that's an ugly way to live yeah it's not a good look you know no, so to me it's like yeah you know and i don't i don't know what's going on these days um because those guys fired Quinn like three years ago. Oh shit. Okay, um, I know that. And it was like a weird, ugly situation where like he just needed a break because him and Bert were butting heads a lot. And so he asked for a break from touring and he um, taught a kid all the guitar parts to fill in for him. And it was all good. Yeah. And then in the middle of that tour, there was a Facebook post saying, we'd like to wish Quinn our like the best on his future endeavors. Like we've agreed to part ways. Oh. And he was just like, we what? <laughs> and, oh, sh- and no one would like take his calls and no one would fucking talk to him. And, Damn. and it just turned into an ugly thing. He got into a lawsuit with them and it was just like, shit got fucking stupid. That like sucks. between them. Yeah. And it was like, man, like that sucks. But then me and Jeff, me and Quinn, or me and Bert, everybody, we we're all good. But then um, when Quinn and I started letting it be known to like the public that we were making music and working on things, I think they might have not been stoked on that because now none of them talk to me and I, I don't know what's going on. So oh, I, wow. think, uh, I think they're, they don't like that I'm cool with Quinn, but it's like, come on, this is the guy that fired me and I'm cool with him. Mm-hmm. Like, you're going to have a problem with me a lot, man. Yeah. for having a problem with that guy? Like, this is, that's a, a fucking silly circle of drama I don't need to involve myself with. Mm-hmm. So I'm good with all of them as far as I'm concerned. So um, I just wish them all the best, you know? Yeah, man. You're in a good place. You're in Was it crazy making your first? So Let the Dominoes Fall was your first album you made with Rancid, correct? Yeah, yeah. That must have been exciting to awesome make your music because, with them, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was a trip. And uh, one part that made it fun was we wrote, most of the record at my house in Utah. That's cool. And so the guys came out, we wrote in my basement studio for like a week at a time for three months. And, uh, 
it was awesome. Just recorded demos for Gerwitz. Cool. And then we actually went to Skywalker Ranch to make that album. I remember hearing about incredible. that. That's insane, man. Dude, it was wow. so rad. And what an inspiring place for like literally like down the hall, the animators were making Wally, you know. Wow, and then, I like, Wally, yeah. There was, <laughs> yeah, dude. And what a fucking rad movie that was. And just like you're surrounded by like all of these talented people doing fucking cool shit. There were like um these Foley artists that were recording all the, uh, I believe that's how you say it, Foley, or is it Foley? Foley. Oh, no. um, but, but they were recording all the Foley art for the first Iron Man movie in the Holy studio next shit. door. Great movie, man. And so Fuck. like these, these girls were like roll in that were like the artists with like these baskets full of metal that they just like were buying scraps of metal and all these things just to scrape them together and make, noises that were like all of the iron man suit sounds yeah, and shit and, that's sick and so we like befriended all of them and got to like jump in on a little like um foley where we were like the feet noises standing up in the room at the end when he says he's iron man no, <laughs> you know, that's, like, sick. that's wow. like me and tim and rachel tejada and <laughs> you know like that's our feet that's you know? so but, cool man um, wow just like fun it was just a cool fucking experience yeah. a cool place um and then, but man, right, making the record was a trip. It was my first time working with Gerwitz. Everything was so what a genius, different. Man. The approach where shout out to Brett Gerwitz, what yeah, a genius, dude, wow. and just a fucking yeah, one of the smartest people. Dude. Like you know, and um, so it was awesome getting to know him, work with him, and then the approach was just so loose and wild. I fucking loved it. It was like nice. we never the whole time I've been in Rancid, I don't know if we've recorded a song in more than three takes That's and we do everything live with the whole band playing together except for vocals. And, um, oh, it'll be on a click sometimes, sometimes not just depends on the vibe. If, if Gerwitz likes it this way or we're feeling it more one way or the other, it's like, yeah. it just doesn't, there's not a rule, you know, it's whatever makes sense for that song. Yep. But man, it, it was a fucking trip. And then we do some of the extra songs later um, that like Tim would like walk into a room with an acoustic and show like all of us, including Gerwitz, like a song idea he had. Yeah. And then he'd be like, yeah, what about like this? And he'd just kind of play something and Gerwitz would be like, it sounds great. Let's record it. Wow. <laughs> we're like, Oh shit. And so I would just like That's try to awesome. memorize the, the, like the structure and everything and, and the arrangement. And I would just fucking go in and we'd literally record like one take and Gerwitz would be like, sounds great. Let's move on. I was like, wow. oh my God, that's the one and only time I've ever played that song. <laughs> like, you know? That's incredible. So weird. What kind of, that's amazing energy, man. Wow. Fuck. Dude, there's so many songs on our records that I could show you that the one and only time I've played them was the track you're hearing on the album. You know? Wow. Like, it was crazy. That song, uh, there was one, I don't remember if it's on that record or another one, but the... Uh, locomotive was a fun one mm -hmm. there was one of this i don't know fuck i won't even go into naming them there's so many but yeah it was crazy so how, how how'd you guys end up at the skywalker ranch to record i know that he was in the studio there like how's it even Hang on, can i put you on pause can i pause you for just a sec yeah you know what I'm, I'm gonna go pee let's pause for one second all right yep me too okay we are back we just took pee breaks right now um, <laughs> I, I'm I'm gonna be a hundred percent on. Oh, if I should say this, now. who cares? My wife's not gonna listen to it. Yo, nobody's home in my crib right now, and I, I'm I'm on a juice cleanse. 
And um, I pissed in a bottle sitting at my kitchen table during this podcast. And it's on my what table. What did you do? I pissed in a bottle while I was doing the podcast with you earlier because I'm on a juice cleanse and I'm pissing like crazy. <laughs> Max. Oh, shit. Max is out there. So there's a piss bottle on my Fuck yeah. table. Oh, my God. That's so fucked. But, but uh, Brandon just wanted to take a piss break. So my... Max, I peed in the bottle, man. I'm sorry. Um, so my question was... How, <laughs> how does Fuck yeah, dude. How, how, how do you guys get end up on Luke Skywalker Ranch? Hang on though, hang on. Remember that story when we did the H2O tour in Europe and tell the me. and our tour manager's pillowcase? <laughs> what tell me? I forgot what I had to, oh I had to go no, to the bathroom. Oh my god. It was you. That's right. <laughs> I had to go to the bathroom. Oh my god, dude. Yo, man, it's hard in the road when you have to go number two. Whatever, man. Oh, my God. I do remember that. That's so fucked. Dude, you, you managed to do that with none of us knowing in the van while we're driving. Yeah. You shit in a, a pillowcase. You're right. There had, <laughs> had to have been a plastic lining in there, though, too. Um, yeah, yeah, I think you had a bag. Yeah, you had a like a grocery bag. Oh, because up top. Something. We had a little place to sleep up top. You're right. Holy shit. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. Yep. That was that what what year what, what, what year did you do that tour with us? Oh fuck! What was that? Like maybe when was that? Like twenty fifteen? Five years ago? Seems like I longer, dude. So did we do I Europe together? We do Europe and US? it was right when uh, um the uh, fuck 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 fuck. I'm sorry, I'm spacing the name. It's okay. I'm gonna get it. Then uh, you're. Your record name, the father figure, and oh and yeah, use your voice came out. That was five years ago. Yeah. Holy yeah. shit, man! So you did a Europe run with us. That was right. It was, and then did you did you do US with us? Which correct too, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah. yeah, that was tons of fun. Yeah, we were grinding, man. Really we were grinding, man. I felt bad for Brandon because he went from like busting his ass to going in a tour bus to being in Rancid and then H2O on like a little DIY and all of us squished in the van in Europe. <laughs> <laughs> it was so fun I, though, I, dude. I know. It was, it was like, like, yeah, get back in the van. Yeah, it's funny. Yeah, it was like 11 shows in a row, no days off. It's Bro. just like a quick run, but dude, just nonstop. Just I know. Lugging the gear and dude. it was fun, man. It's crazy. We still that was do great. That um, yeah, how, 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 <laughs> how, how does Rancid end up recording at um, at the, at the ranch, Skywalker Ranch. It seems so random, but it's probably that not was random a, at all. No, that was some that was some Brett Gerwitz magic, gotcha. you know, because that's not exactly like the place you call up and schedule time for your band. No. But uh, but he was a big Star Wars fan, and and Sick. or is a big Star Wars fan, and and it was just kind of a fantasy that he wanted to see if he could do, and wow. he pulled it off. He he got it booked, and. We lived there on the premises for like a month, um, and it was fucking rad. They have like these awesome, like, like the whole ranch is just crazy, and there's like bikes everywhere for you to just ride around and shit. And yeah, um, I became friends with Jet Lucas, George's son. Okay, and he was telling me about this a whole building they call the vault, and so he took me over to it, and it's where they they store every single prop and costume of every George Lucas film ever. Oh my and God, dude. We're just like wandering around this place. He took me there twice. One time while security was working. So you just were very like, you know, careful with everything. And yep. the other time he took uh, me and like Rachel Tejada and, and John Markell, our engineer, um, 
and he took all of us in like after hours and we're just checking shit out and because you weren't really supposed to take photos but he was like mm. i don't give a fuck like yeah so we're taking all these photos of everything and then suddenly i get hit with an arrow that he shot me with like an ewoks bow and arrow <laughs> and i was like what the fuck and then he like hands me one of the like screen used like lightsabers and we start having like a lightsaber battle like right there no in the way, middle dude. of it all and then we got like photos of him and i like picking up the ark of the covenant from indiana wow. jones <laughs> it, it was just that's insane surreal, dude. Man. that's crazy that's a like kid's dream dude it's crazy yeah right i was like i wore like the actual boba fett helmet and shit and, like wow. we were just taking a million photos like I tried to um, use Indiana Jones whip and fucking whip myself in the shoulder super hard. Holy shit. <laughs> like, they have the R2-D2 there was, too and stuff? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh All of it, dude. God, Everything. Chewbacca. Wow. The place was insane. Insane. So did you mean... But the, so, like, the whole thing yeah. was a whirlwind, man. Like, they're making a, a rant. My first rancid record, we're in a place like that, getting experiences like that, you know, um... And the whole thing was just, it was nuts, man. It was nuts, but I loved it. I had a great time. It was so, so fun writing the songs and, and, um, you know, getting to be involved as, as much as I was with the writing process mm-hmm. and all this jamming and helping come up with melodies and lyrics and shit. Like, yeah. um, last one to die, like made up a lot of last one of the die. That's it's like awesome, man. parts with everybody. And, and, um, it was just fucking, it was crazy, man. The whole thing was crazy. Yeah. So, so have other bands like recorded there before was it some um i think so okay but i don't know who yeah yeah yeah. i'm pretty positive i mean it's it's ultimately a scoring stage like the room we're in this massive room with the giant um movie screen on the back wall they they put on star wars one night in there just for fun wow um and and yeah it was it was a crazy room like the studio was insane but um it was really more just an excuse to get to go there and yeah, and hang crazy. out. I think, yeah, you know. Did you guys see George or meet George? Um, they did. Okay. I happened to leave because I'm a I'm a Stallone super fan, Ooh. and so I actually got to go to the Rambo premiere in Vegas with my brother. Holy and shit! I took him. So I had flown to Vegas and was at the st- the premiere and got to meet Stallone and shit, which was like, that's incredible. Man. He's my childhood hero. Yeah. You know what I mean, and my adult hero, he's just one of my fucking favorite people. But, mm-hmm. um, and so I was like, just living it up. But then meanwhile, I got back and come to find out George had come to the studio and hung out with everybody and played chess with them and all this oh, shit. Oh man. I was like, Holy shit. Like I wouldn't trade it for what I was doing, but that's still pretty fucking rad. And I'm bummed that missed it. Yeah. That's you know? incredible, like, man. Yeah, super wow. cool. Um, how many records have you made Rancid now total? How many years have you been in Rancid for now uh, total? 14. Wow, man. Time flies, dude. That's crazy. You know what's, you know what's weird as hell is Brett Gerwitz was in the band for 14 years. Or, uh, fuck, oh, hell. shit. Sorry. Brett Reed. Brett, Brett Reed. Brett, We've been Brett, talking Brett, about Gerwitz, and yeah, I said yeah. the wrong, wrong Yeah, Brett Reed. Name. Sorry, Brett. Wow, even time. That's insane. Um, Dude, Brett was in Rancid for 14 years. That's crazy. Fucking weird. Because to me, it's like, I mean, this is the fan talking, but he'll always be the drummer of Rancid. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. that's just, I'm, I'm just fortunate to have that job. And, yeah. and, you know, I can't even call it a job, but either way, like, yeah. I'm fortunate to have that 
that duty and that position. But, uh, you know, as far as I'm concerned, like that's, that's Brett Reed, you know, and, mm-hmm. and it's weird to me if I meet Rancid fans and stuff and they're talking about how much they love Rancid. I don't feel like I can take any credit for that. Cause I'm like, dude, like me too. Like, <laughs> like how fucking great are they? Right. And, and it's like, this is one of my favorite bands. So they were legends and, and, and fucking the monster that is Rancid long before I came along, you know? Mm. So, I take no credit for that at all. That's all Brett Reed and these guys, you know? So it's amazing. You still be a fan of the band. band. It's awesome, man. It's really good. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, you know, now that I've been in the band as long as him, it's like, uh, it doesn't matter if I could, if I've been in twice as long as him, it's always going to seem like that's the original. That's really who the band is, you know? Yeah. Um, and you guys were supposed to be on tour this summer too. It was drop kicks. And then that's whole COVID hit. Um, yeah, and have some new records, a new record coming out as well, correct? I think that's been announced. <laughs> I Oops, don't know. Uh, maybe not. Then maybe not. Maybe not. Then I'll, cut, I'll take it out of here. But yeah, I mean, there um, will be a new record sometime. Yeah, sometime, <laughs> sometime. Well, that's what usually happens. We end up making another record, so yeah. there will be an- another record. I don't know when. Mm. How many records have you been on? Who now knows anything years? right now, though? Right? No, I know nothing. We know nothing about the future right now stressful um yeah how many records have we done with this how many records in 14 years um three fuck okay three or four okay yeah fuck i don't know everything since let the dominoes fall yeah um you want to know the weird thing i i don't usually like listen to the records i make a lot yeah like that's normal so so and especially it's really weird for me being in rancid because Again, that's a band I've loved for so long and, and lived yep. with all their records for so long. So it's weird to hear the band with me. It, it seems with that you on it. Yeah, like yeah, the yeah. Same band. Mm, you know what I mean? Got you. So it's like, I'm not like super fanning on the stuff I do, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, but like, but I'll take some of these old records like and, and fucking still listen to the shit out of these records. Of course. So, um, you, what's your favorite so that's record? That's terrible. I'm, I lose track of this. Yeah, shit. yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, there's a lot of records. Too. What's your favorite Rancid record? Do you have one? Um, you know, I get torn. A lot of the times, "Let's Go" is actually a favorite. Love that record. Um, I fucking love "Life Won't Wait." That's a great one too. All and bangers. then, but of course, "Outcome the Wolves" is like That's my shit, man. Probably the fucking most classic record of theirs. Dude, so it's perfect I, album, man. I don't know. Yeah. You know, but um, I just really loved the where they went with Life Won't Wait. Yeah. That was such a fucking... Like, literally where they went. Jamaica, like, England, everywhere you to make that record. Yeah, literally, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But they, like, they were just like flexing on that fucking record. Some mm-hmm. of the sickest vocal performances any of them have ever done. Some of my favorite fucking drum parts Brett Reed ever played. Like, nice. some of the best musicianship they've ever done yeah. is on that record you know yeah. everything from like just the sickest stuff dude some of tim's cadences and stuff he spits on that fucking record are yeah. insane like i love copper i don't know how like he does that shit yeah. you know <laughs> like yeah, it, yeah, yeah. it's incredible incredible so i think it's called copper london i'm gonna find it new york lay back to kingston so good yeah. man such a great song man so good there's so much and then what was the there. one that Oh yeah, dude. And there's like all these rad, like epic, legendary guests on that album, and mm. and 
you know, they have fucking horns on it. They have yeah. steel drums. They have like all kinds of percussion. It was just, they just took it to another level. They really it was did, rad man. to see them yeah. flex and show what they're capable of, you know? It took their time and like, yeah, this, so, so many, so many great songs on there, man. Um, yeah. Yeah. What, um, would you consider yourself? Oh, that's a silly question because I already know you're freaking positive. I was going to say that you consider yourself an optimist or pessimist, but I, I know you're you're super posy. <laughs> you're yeah. super posy. You, know you gotta I mean? be. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I think um, it's one of those things where, like, I think the sure thing in life is that it's going to deal you shit, mm-hmm. and that can sound optim or pessimistic, but to me, I I mean it in an optimistic way where it's like. No, that's the sure thing. The thing that's not a sure thing are the good times and the good things. They're not a guarantee. Yeah. So you got to fucking make that shit happen. Mm. And you got to fucking take the wheel and drive it the fucking direction you want the most you can because the opposition is going to do everything possible to keep you from getting there. And that's what's going to make it mean that much more. And that's what's going to make the drive mean that much more. And you know what I mean? And so it's yeah, like, I love that. you got to fucking savor the good times and enjoy them because that's the fuel that gets you through the bad times, yeah. you know? And, yeah. and it's like, cause that's a sure thing. You could be on top. You can be fucking killing it. You could be fucking whatever. But that can change really fucking quick. So fast. And it's a sure thing that more shit's going to come your way. It's yeah. not a sure thing that more great things will come your way. And so I think it's just a matter of like, no nah, man, you got to just fucking, it's all an endurance challenge, you know? And, and the people that can endure without playing the victim card and feeling sorry for themselves, that those are the people that are going to land on top and, and have that feeling of success. And it's nothing to do with anything monetary or, or anything with status at all. It's, yeah. it's a matter of like the gratification you get from enduring the opposition and, and landing on your feet eventually, you know? Yeah. I love that. Do you have any, um, you have any regrets in your life? You know, no, I, it's not something I choose to feel. Yeah. I've fucked up, you know what I mean? But to me, I think, I feel like regret is a really useless emotion Yeah, because what, what the fuck can we do with that? Mm -hmm. It's like, have we fucked up? Like, yeah, maybe like no, no one's fucking perfect, but we can learn from that shit and, and become a better person for it. So any bad shit we've been through, any bad shit we've done, any bad shit, that's all an opportunity presented to us to learn, grow, and become a better person. So why would you waste a moment regretting that yeah. when that presented the opportunity to improve? You I know, like so yeah. I say, fuck it, man. No regrets. Just fucking do you. Try to be a good person. Be respectful and mindful of others. And you know what I mean? And fucking yeah. power through. I love that. Um, I know you're a massive soccer fan. Um, and then you also, you made like a, a kind of a soccer anthem, correct? Yeah. Yeah. What, what was it, what, what's it for? What's it for? Oh, for Salt Lake City team, correct? Yeah. Yeah. I had never been a fan of like organized sports at all. Yeah, you know, neither. just growing up the way I did. It was like yeah. skateboarding. No coach. Do it your way at your pace. You're fucking... <laughs> no one's telling you what to do. You know, there's yeah. no right or wrong way to do shit. Totally. That's, that's my kind of sport. If you want to call it that. Mm-hmm. But, um, but yeah. So I, when I first joined Rancid, I was like, you know, b- being a UK tour, there's, there's football everywhere. And yeah. so Lars was kind of joking with me, like you're in Rancid now you're a Millwall fan. 
I'm like, <laughs> oh, okay. I don't know what the fuck any of that means, but <laughs> okay. Yeah. You know, and just kind of joking around and totally. and trying to kind of introduce the game to me a little bit. And then um, when we had a break in 2007, um, we had a, a little time off and he hit me up and was like, hey, we should go to a Real Salt Lake game. And I was like, what the fuck is that? And he's like, that's the <laughs> soccer team in Salt Lake. And I'm like, I've never even heard of that before. And he's like, dude, it's a major league team. <laughs> and I'm like, I've funny. never heard of it. Like, like where the fuck would I know of that? You yeah. know, like I, I don't run in a circle. I would have known about that mm-hmm. or, any, you know, like, I don't know. And so I look into it, buy us tickets to a game. He flew out and me and Spike and, and him all go to this, our first game. And, uh, awesome he knew a lot about the team was telling me all about him and stuff and, and kind of giving us the lowdown before it starts. And I went into it being, I'll admit it. I was being closed minded and, and fucking judgmental as hell. Cause to me (laughs) it was like sports, sports equal jobs and this. And I just expected like a bunch of bros and soccer moms. And you know what I mean? Like just being a dick. I totally was judging it without knowing anything about it, which is wrong of me. Um, not going to say I regret it, but <laughs> <laughs> but I learned from it exactly. Um, exactly. <laughs> but uh, but yeah. So literally, like the moment the game starts, we're just fucking up out of our seats, screaming and cheering, Damn. and like the entire time, you know. And and it was, dude, it was crazy. Like the passion and the the electricity to it all was yeah. like something I hadn't experienced. Yep. And I just fell in love with it, man. I fell nice. in love with that club. I fell in love with the game and, and it just really resonated with me. So fast forward, like I've made friends with most of the team, you know, like the coaches, yeah. the, the staff, and that they just all became like family. We all hang out and, you know, I'd travel around and go to games and, and, um, they That's just really so cool, embraced man. me as one of them, you know? And, yeah. and, uh, I've been to matches around the world, you know, and, and I just noticed that like all these clubs have these anthems that would play like right when they would take the field or whatever. And I was like, why doesn't any of the teams out here do that? Like, this is like a big void, you know, yeah. I was like, fuck, we need something like that. And so I just brainstormed it for a while. I, I wrote an idea that I sat on for almost a year yeah. just cause I was felt like it wasn't my place, <laughs> you know? And, yeah. and eventually I was like, fuck it. I made a, video for it with a handful of fans that I rounded, yeah, I that. rounded yeah. up and yeah, and it was cool, man. Like, they really embraced it and it became like the uh, official anthem of the team. It's on the Utah license plates and wow, shit. Wow, like, dude. Crazy. It's amazing, man. Yeah. It's crazy. Wow. I had no idea. I was just a fan, you know? I was like, yeah. shit, I was just one more guy in the stadium that loves this team and this city and so was, I didn't Was Lars super stoked that, like but, he got you into it? Is he psyched? that happened like the song yeah i mean i mean we have like we have a joking like rivalry going on because you know he's a san jose's earthquake fan and i'm a rsl fan so we like to have a rival they even just played each other like a week ago and uh and we're texting each other busting balls and stuff but um but we have fun with it man i i certainly credit him to being the reason i got into it for sure awesome man it's so cool and do you play it too yeah, I'll play in like little local leagues. I haven't done anything this year. Um, yeah. No one's done shit this year, but uh, of course. <laughs> but yeah, I've had a team. 
I, I started a team called Hooligans oh, that's back quite, in 2007. Yes, like, I saw that. Right yeah. when I got into it. Yeah. And fucking, we had jerseys and everything. We, we were dialed. Like, we looked like a pro team. We just wow. played like shit. <laughs> and you played no sports? All you did was skate in, when you were younger. You never played sports in school, nothing, huh? Yeah, dude. I hadn't Damn. run in my life other than running from jocks or cops chasing me for being a skater. You know, yeah. like, yeah. like, that was my only running experience I ever had in my life. So Damn. it was weird to get out and try to run and like, what the fuck? Like, yeah. felt a little late in the game to be trying to learn those, uh, basics, but, but you're, 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 you're very active now. Like the, the, with the way it's called waveboarding. Oh, uh, wake, wake surfing, wake surfing that, and the foil stuff. I, I, I know nothing about that. The foil, the four wheel things you drive around. What are they called? Oh yeah, yeah. The side by sides. Side by sides, and the other thing. Yeah, the videos I've seen you doing that is incredible, man. All that. So you definitely seems you seem way active, man. Like outside shit, you know. I just love outdoors. I love being active, you know. Yeah. And growing up in like action sports, you know, and around all that, it's just still such a huge part of me that my time off it's like i'm lucky to live in a beautiful state yeah. and in an awesome area where there's yeah. tons of recreation and a, a affordable cost of living because i live in these smaller towns and so it's like it just affords the opportunity to be able to go get out and kind of experience the best of what my state has to offer yeah. And so yeah i love it man I'll, I'll i'll never leave like right now i i'm living in like this very small town in in the desert um wow like the south tip of utah and it's just we have these incredible red sand sand dunes right here and Saw a that. beautiful lake. And I'm just playing like as much as possible. Cause I, it keeps me sane, you know, yeah, getting outside and, mm -hmm. and getting kind of one with, with nature one yeah. way or another, whether it's hiking and like actually kind of getting into it or just playing with some fun recreational toys, you know, <laughs> yeah, that, that, that answers all my questions that my final questions were like, how, how are you keeping the PMA? Anyway, your daily rituals are during this lockdown, and it seems like you have it covered. You know what I mean? Especially, we can play drums every day. That's incredible. You know? Yeah, and I mean it's it's been tricky because where I'm living right now, I didn't have any drums or instruments down here, and I was going fucking crazy at Dang. first. And so I went up north where I had been living because I'd sold my house in December yep. with the intention of rebuilding it, and then with all this shit, that just wasn't everything got put on pause life is on pause life right on now pause. you know and so yeah so i just went up and and gathered some of my gear and and brought some shit down here so i can start playing and trying to keep saying you it's know game but um, right to have because i need yeah. yeah i have to play man it's like i'll get fucking moody i'll get like mm -hmm. just unhappy and that yep. that those demons will start coming back you know what i mean mm -hmm. like i gotta stay on top of them and and be creative and and just do my craft because it's what truly keeps me happy, yeah. you know, but, um, but the outdoor stuff the the, um, skating and wake surfing and all that stuff. That's, that's cool. all tied into the same kind of thing. It's just the things that resonate with me and I can, I can do and express myself one way or another and just enjoy, you know, that freedom I feel when I play music or do these kind of things because there's no one telling me the right or wrong way to do shit, you know? Exactly. And you, so you still skateboarding. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome, yeah. dude. It's awesome. Trying, yeah. It's hard. Shit hurts. <laughs> the ground, man. the ground got a lot harder these days, right? <laughs> Yo, man, it, it, man. I mean, after skating all day yesterday for like seven hours, I wear knee pads my whole life, so my knees are pretty decent for my age. And yeah, just slamming yeah, nice. and like, and Christian sorry, Chris, sorry, is like, damn, man, you, 
you got that vegan body. You like you're, you're like all rubber. You're so wiry. Like you're like bouncing. You're bouncing <laughs> off the ramp. Like you're about, like you're getting you're, you're so fla- like you're so flexible. I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to like stretch and because we all, he taught me how to do stretches before we skated. Like we did all these stretches and like you don't think about stretching when you skate, but now I get it, man. I'm fucked up today, man. I'm just yeah. really beat down. Yeah, it's hard, man. It's weird. Not the kind of thing that. I don't know of a time I ever stretched before skating oh, like, man. once in my life. You know oh. I mean? And now, like, if I'm going to skate, like, I still have my mini ramp and shit. Oh, that's and right. I just that's love, right. You like, have that. Shit. Yeah. And it's like, but same thing. I got to do, like, some fucking toe touches and just loosen shit up because it, it doesn't <laughs> come out of the gates to limber anymore, you know? <laughs> how, big is, how big is your mini ramp? Um, It's, like, just under four feet. Sick. But it's. 16 feet wide with a spine and then an extension on the one end. Wow. Send me, yeah, send, send, so me, send, fun, me send me a pick of that when you have a chance. Um, I will. Sure. We're, we're debating having a ramp put in our backyard. Like Max got really good grades this year and he's supposed to get one last year. And I, I, got, I talked to OC ramps to maybe make one. And we've been going to Cavs, which is like an hour and a half drive, but I like going there. It's a nice getaway and the ramp's awesome, but it'd be cool to have one in the backyard nice. too, man, for sure. You know? Um, oh, absolutely, man. Absolutely. My buddy is, um, my buddy's got, uh, he's a ramp builder, um, and he, he builds ramps, um, under the name super ramp technologies Nice. and he does steel ramps that a lot of them are intended to be portable because he's done like BMX shows and stuff forever. And, and, uh, they do everything from like halftime shows to car shows and shit for like elementary schools and high schools. And then, um, he'll do things for like nitro circus and stuff like that that like cool. a trailer that unfolds and sets up into a, like a 40-foot roll-in in moments you know mm. but he's the one that built my ramp because living in utah that's the route you have to go you know because i've done the wood ramps and they'll last for a year and then with one gnarly utah winter yeah. your ramps fuck i've tried skate light i've tried all the shit it's like it doesn't it doesn't work we have two our winters are too heavy. Our summers are too hot. It just mm. takes too much abuse. But um, so yours is steel, he built me my ramp. ramp. It's steel. Yeah, and it's wow. the the top is all steel, or he'll do aluminum, depending on which ramp it is. Yeah, and then it's painted so it looks and feels just like skate light, but it's just indestructible. That's you know, cool. and I love it, man. It it skates so good and feels so good. Like you know, you just paint it just right and and if you'd never know the difference, you know, that's cool. It's indestructible. Like uh, an album. Interesting. Yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> um, I think we covered a lot of things. Yeah. We talked two hours and 15 minutes. That's amazing, man. Um, nice. I- I'm glad you're doing good. Um, it's a weird time. It's a crazy world we live in. We don't know what's going to happen moving forward for music. Like everything we had booked this year, got pushed to next year. Who knows if that's even a reality. And, um, yeah, we're very lucky. We get to play music. I know we don't take it for granted. And I feel like, um, this lockdown is making us, I don't know, maybe think about life more, appreciate more, uh, try different things and try to be more made, motivated and stay sane. Like you said, it's, it's a hard time. And like, even though me and you get to do what we love and we have like roofs over our heads and we have our ladies and we have our health, like the news and the world and the internet, just everything, it, it beats on you, man. And even if, even if you don't think it does, like there's so much information, it's just, it's so good to put your foot, like to put your phone down and go into the ocean or go skate and do something right now. It's, I think it's super important, yeah. especially for us who are very passionate about what we do. We get to travel and, and see, we always run tons of humans. And that's like, 
we feed off each other that we play music to, to humans to make them happy inspire them and we don't have that now so it's that connection's lost so it's really hard man you know it's a, it's a it's a yeah. it's an interesting time you know it really is and it's it's humbling for all of us you know and yeah. and it, it really um it really requires us to establish a good support system that we know would withstand anything yes, you know whether exactly. it's uh you know whether we're focusing more on our own mental health which is a crucial thing for any human being you know it, yeah. it, it's something that gets overlooked and and not enough attention put on that and now is a great time where everybody's stressed and anxiety and fear and and anger and every emotion it's like this is a good time Everything. to just take some deep breaths and kind of trying to center ourselves and i've been fortunate you know my 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 girl danielle is the best partner on the planet and and to be like you know bunkered down with anyone i've been so fortunate to have her by my side um, in life and and through all this madness you know and and so i think it's a matter of like we just gotta fucking look out for each other look out for ourselves and and just take care you know ultimately it just truly take care and, and and show some respect and patience for other people and, and, and love. And, you know, it's a, we're in a really hard stance time yeah. where things could be as poetic and, and unifying or, or dividing and terrible as, as we choose them to be, you know, to an extent. And, and there are battles that, that need to be fought right now. And there are, there are voices that need to be heard and there are fears and, and very real, emotions out there and and it's just it's like the it's like the universe is like forcing mankind to kind of hit the reset button and and give our planet a break for a fucking minute yeah you know and and maybe like kind of put in check like yo wow you know our, our footprint really does have a big impact on this planet like maybe we can proceed forward you know giving a little more thought in in how we treat things, how we, whether we do whatever, recycle, the food yeah, we eat, how we, how, how we treat animals, how we, everything yeah. and human beings, you know, it's like, it's just a good time to see the planet thrive while people are struggling and, and we can learn a lot from that, you know, and just truly look out for each other and, and look out for the world, you know? Yeah. I love that. I saw that meme was like mother nature told everybody to go to their room. You know, I love that. Like, for get, real? Yeah, get to your room. And also, I, I like that you, you know, I know you, I know you deal with depression and you. I like that you talk about it and you express it and you use your platform to uh, spread awareness about that. I think it's super important. Um, so I appreciate Thank that. Thank you. For sure, yeah. Um, Thank you. A lot of people are going through that right now. And I feel like another, yeah. thing, another thing too is that it doesn't matter who you voted for, if you're a Democrat, Republican, what side you, st- like, none of that shit matters. We're all in this together. It doesn't, this doesn't matter. This is like, you know, everybody looking out for each other. And like you said, being respectful, looking out for the communities and their fellow humans and doing what we have to do to get get through together, whether you, whether you believe in the COVID or not, or you believe in this or not, just as a human being, just despite all those other things that are going on, just as a human, like look out for your neighbor, look out for each other. Uh, be respectful of each other, yeah. man. That, that's this common courtesy. That's this what we're supposed to do as human beings. We're supposed to care about each other. You know what I mean? And yeah, maybe through all the insanity and the negativity and all the different the the political politics and all this other shit, it's making people more strip everything down and just actually, you know, be humans and and think about what it means to be kind and respectful and caring 
of others because it seems like it's exactly a lot of division going on it seems like and especially if, on the, if you're watching the news or you look at the social media but when you go outside and i go to the beach or i take my son surfing or i walk down the street people are smiling people out people are wearing their masks people are just trying to live and you know and be, be respectful of each other and that's the main thing is what's happening in real life outside your house um exactly you, you, you can get caught up on the internet and there's so many different um things to look at but at the end of the day it's like I don't know. We were here before all that shit and we're going to make it through this. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of that's toxic, you know, and like the yeah. social media and stuff right now, it's like, it can, it can be inspiring or it can be toxic. Totally. And you got to be careful to not, totally. it's like, let's not forget that's a, a, a platform for entertainment and connectivity. Yes. And if 100%. it's not inspiring you and, and provoking good, then yep. maybe it's okay to turn it off and, yeah. and just do what you can in your day to day life to be a good person and practice what you preach because yep. everybody's wanting to get online and preach to each other yep. and not actually making a difference in the real world. They'll still yep. go out to a store and be a fucking asshole to someone because they took their parking spot or something. And it's like, yeah. no, let's practice what we preach day to day. Like yep. smile at people. Well, they're not going to know you should be wearing a fucking mask. But <laughs> <laughs> smile yeah. with your eyes. You know what I mean? Totally. But you know what I mean? It's like we need solidarity more than ever. And, and the lies, the lines between everybody's hard stances It'd be great if those fucking were blurred or went away and we could just simply look out for each other. And it's like, I, I don't know, not to get too like uh, whatever with it. But in the end, you know, it it's like everybody just needs to show some love and respect. Yeah, totally. To fellow men, like we need each other yeah. regardless of what religion you are, what race you are, what sex or gender or whatever you are, whatever age you are, whatever class you are, doesn't fucking matter. We need each other yep. and people need to recognize that we need each other and that these fucking walls and barriers between us are toxic and fucking hold back the progress of mankind in such a way that, you know, it's like screaming at each other is never going to change that. You know, yeah. people need to start just taking an approach with love and compassion and, and, you know, I don't I love know. That. I, I, I mean, love that. It's true. I'm a hippie at heart. You know what I mean? Me too, brother. Me, I'm super. I'm, t I'm too emo for hardcore, bro. I'm all for bro. love, bro. Yeah, love, too. unity, respect, yeah, quality. Man. Fucking, we're all the same, man. We are. Brother. It doesn't matter. No one, no one's hurting anybody else by letting others be them. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like, don't fucking hurt people. You know, don't be a dick. But yeah. like, what does it matter? Like, what your belief system is? What, what? sex you prefer like what yeah. the fuck do these things matter you know like let's just i don't know we all have hearts we all need oxygen we all need water as far as i'm concerned we're the fucking same yeah you know? unless you're a nazi piece of shit then, we're, then we hate you yeah then they can, <laughs> but we don't consider them humans <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly i'm talking about humans no, I nothing know. fucking I, human about I know, that shit i know what you're saying um <laughs> fuck. well thank you so much for your time man this has been incredible to talk to you i've known you for many many years but i feel like i've learned so much more about you just in this phone call and that's what i like about the podcast is that i can know you for many many years and if we have just a one-on-one -on -one like this and just nobody else and just us like you you learn more about people and I, I really appreciate and love what you've done with your life you've definitely lived the pma you've been through a lot of heavy shit in your life and you you maintain focus and it stuck to your convictions and your beliefs and always stay true to who you are and um and that resonates with a lot of people man and you're an inspiration to people and um uh, i'm honored to call you my friend thank Brandon. you man i really appreciate you 
Thank you so much. That means a lot to me. And likewise, man, I've, I've the utmost respect for you and really appreciate all that you do and, and value you as a friend and, and uh, someone I really look up to and admire. So thank you for all that you do. Thank you, brother. And uh, I'll be speaking to you soon about maybe making that road trip because I was told by one of our friends it's maybe a seven-hour drive. Which Does that sound right? Uh, not even that. Six, probably. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Not bad. Yeah, man. Worth it. And you get a mini. And now, now I didn't realize you had a mini ramp there too. That that's adds to everything else. The mini ramps up north. That's oh, at my, okay. Okay. the spot up north. But I'm gonna have one down here. Just a little guy, a nice. little like three foot, twelve foot wide, set up here in the next like month and a half. That's or so. sick. Okay, awesome. Yeah, stoked. And hopefully, I'll see you somewhere in real life soon, like on a stage or somewhere. You know. Absolutely, brother. All right. Thanks for everything, man. Have a great weekend. Thank you. Much love, brother. All right. Peace, man. Bye. Bye-bye. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening. Um, please rate, review, uh, subscribe. If you haven't subscribed yet to this podcast, please do that. And whatever platform you are listening to this on, I'm glad you found me. You can rate me and review me on there also. So thank you guys sincerely for the support. I cannot wait for you guys to hear the next one.